You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Oh, I was about to say the Pulse of Philly podcast, but it's not that. It's <laughs> It's been a while. Andrew Porter. 94 WIP. What's going on? Motion's behind the glass. Matt Hammond's doing updates. You can tweet me throughout the show at A-N-D underscore Porter. Give me a call, 888-729-9494, because I'm going to have hot takes coming at you for four hours. I have four hours worth of hot takes. Just paper. Look at all these papers. Just four hours of hot takes. Um, I haven't been on the air in a couple of weeks uh, I've been doing a lot of work for our new website. Check it out, 94wip.com. A little plug there. Um, it's our new website. It has all of our podcasts, all of our shows, all of our hosts. Everything is nicely organized. Our audio, our articles, uh, anything you need is now in one place, 94wip.com. It's, it's a nice, clean website. Check that out. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All that is my brainchild. Um, now I'm on the air. Now I'm talking sports. The NBA Finals just wrapped up. I want to start with this. There's this narrative, and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy who kind of hates narratives. Like, I look for these media narratives in sports, and I kind of try to shoot them down. That's my brand. Uh, I think the media does, frankly, a not like specifically radio, but just the overarching media does a lazy job sometimes of understanding sports. That's just my honest opinion. Not that I'm like on a high horse where I know everything, but I just think in general, there are narratives that get overblown out of control and in Philadelphia, we're no exception. It happens all the time in Philadelphia as well. So I'll start with this. There's a narrative in Philadelphia sports. That's just, it bothers me every time I hear it and it's starting to stem off into all these little branches. And that narrative is, the Celtics are better than the Sixers. And that just bothers me. Like, we say that definitively. We think that definitively. Like, we're so convinced the Boston Celtics are better than the Philadelphia 76ers now and in the future because of a, a five-game playoff series that we just saw. We're so reactionary, and, and we have come to that conclusion, which, in my opinion, is false. And, like, I'll... I'll talk about, like, so So I have a friend, Andrew Goodman, my best friend, and he, we played sports together growing up forever, and I was always the better athlete, right? So the whole time, I'm, I'm, when, when you're young, I was better because I watched sports. I understand, I understood sports better. I was the better athlete in basketball. I was better, I was better athlete in every sport. I was better than him in everything. And then we got older, and I was still better than him in everything when we were 8, 10, 11. Um, then we went to middle school, and we were playing competitive sports. Um, we went to high school and we played varsity basketball together. And at that point it started to, to get a little bit, you know, he was starting to get a little bit better than me. His physical attributes, speed, strength, um, size that was coming into play because now we're hitting 16, 17, 18 years old. Now athleticism matters. It's not just mental. It's not just ball skills. It's athleticism. So now I'm still a good basketball player, but I'm not as good as everyone else anymore because I'm, I can't jump as high. I'm not as fast, naturally. He goes on to play Penn State football. He's, he walks on and is a wide receiver for Penn State. So my whole life I was a better athlete than him, but f at the end when it mattered most, 
he played Penn State football, not me. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at the Sixers-Celtics thing. We're in the infancy of this Sixers-Celtics rivalry. We're at the very beginning. We're at age three. We're at age four. We're talking about who's better at age four. It doesn't matter that the Celtics won this series. It, that doesn't matter to me. That's completely irrelevant. We, it, it doesn't matter that Jason Tatum had a better rookie season than Markel Fultz. That doesn't matter to me because all that resets. And now we start over from season number two. It starts over. The Celtics season ended the same way the Sixers did. They did not win the NBA championship. That's point blank. It does not matter. Sam Hinkie tweeted on May 28th. He tweeted, quote, almost 40 years of NBA Finals appearances in eight words. Magic, Bird, Jordan, Hakeem, Shaq, Duncan, Kobe, LeBron, unquote. That was Sam Hinkie's tweet. Point is, you need to have a top five player or two to win multiple championships. The Sixers are not trying to win a NBA championship. They're trying to sustain championship success. They have the chance to have two of the top five players in the NBA in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and that series didn't change that. The Celtics do not have that caliber of top-level talent. Who on the Celtics has a chance to be a top-five NBA player? Maybe Jason Tatum? Maybe? I don't even think so, though. Kyrie Irving's a nice player. Gordon Hayward's a nice player. They're all good players. Jalen Brown's a really good young player. Al Horford's a really solid center. They have a really good, talented team, but they do not have stars, superstars, like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will become. The Sixers still are in a better spot than the Celtics. And we forget that. We are so caught up in in overreacting to a playoff series. We're so results-based. Have some foresight here. The Sixers are in a better position. I'd rather be the Sixers than the Celtics. And and all this stems from the LeBron conversation. And we talk about the summer of LeBron and how we need LeBron. Please, LeBron, come to Philly. Complete the process. I'm not begging LeBron James to come to Philadelphia. The Sixers do not need to beg LeBron James to come to Philadelphia. It'd be nice. It'd be cool, I guess. I've made the argument before that I don't want LeBron James as a fan, and we can get into that. But we shouldn't be begging the, the LeBron to come to Philly. I know Joel Embiid tweeted about it jokingly. But but look, if he doesn't come, we're, the Sixers are fine. The Lakers need LeBron. The Rockets need LeBron. Other teams need LeBron. The Sixers will be fine. The Sixers don't need LeBron. They're, they're Look, Ben Simmons, they're, these guys are in their infancy of their careers. Simmons is... Six years away from his prime. Fultz is seven years away from his prime. Joel Embiid's entering his second NBA season, technically, or third season. I mean, these guys are so young. So young. Other than the Colangelo thing, this offseason has really been great for the Sixers. If you think about it, you had a Brett Brown contract extension, which is great. Do not underestimate the significance of Brett Brown and, and his contract extension. Monty Williams comes here. Do not underestimate how smart and how good of a coach this guy is. It's not a coincidence he's from San Antonio. It's not a coincidence the Sixers sought him out. And it's not, a, it's not just a, a poof in the wind that Monty Williams is now in Philadelphia. That's a big deal. They, they, they got the 10th pick in the lottery. That's also a big deal. They didn't get screwed by ping pong balls. They have cap space. 
Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Markel Fultz are working out with Drew Hanlon in L.A., a, a really respected NBA trainer. I mean, a lot of good things have happened this summer, so don't let the Colangelo thing wreck your brains. Where we're, oh, it's so horrible. The Sixers are a laughing stock. They're not a laughing stock. They have two of the best young. They have the best young tandem in the sport. So I don't. I don't care about the Celtics. Like the Celtics don't scare me. They have roster decisions to make. They don't know what to do with Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier. They're going to get Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back. They're going to be worse defensively. The Celtics are a changing commodity. They're still figuring things out. They don't know what to do. They have an overload of assets. They're all kind of kind of good. They don't know what to do with all of their things and their assets. The Sixers are totally locked in. They know what they're doing. They have Brian Colangelo's gone. They can hire, they can finally pick a GM that they want. They can give Brett Brown all the power or or take away all the power that they want to give him. They're in a great spot. I don't think there's any NBA franchise other than Golden State that's in a better spot than the Philadelphia 76ers. 888-729-9494. Let's talk LeBron. Let's talk Philly. Let's talk summer of LeBron. Let's talk NBA. Let's talk everything. Everything's on the table. 1120, Brian Jacobs, a Sixers blogger who was directly involved in the Brian Colangelo Burnergate situation, will join us at 1120 p.m. He was involved. He had Colangelo's wife tweeting at him. He'll explain at 11.20, and I'll talk to a Barstool Celtics writer at 12.20. I'm on till 2. Let's kick it off with Amelia in Southampton. What's up, Emilio? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. So I was listening to Howard this morning, and he kind of blew my mind with something. He, uh, That's what Howard he does. Mentioned, yeah, he, and I never thought of this, and I, this never crossed my mind ever, but he mentioned a trade that kind of interests me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He, said, <laughs> he says that... If we sign LeBron, that we could trade Simmons to San Antonio in the first-round pick, maybe two first-round picks for Kyle Leonard. What do you think about that? (sighs) Thanks for the call, (laughs) Amelia. I mean, Howard is just nuts. I mean, Howard has said to me multiple times that T.J. McConnell is a better point guard than Ben Simmons. We're not trading Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, (laughs) Ben Simmons is 21 years old and has a chance to change the league. He's a transcendent talent. He's untouchable. There might, there might not be an athlete in pro sports more valuable than Ben Simmons. If you had to make a list of the most valuable athletes in pro sports in terms of contract size, age, and skill level, if you had to make that list, a top 10 list across all professional sports, NBA, NFL, NHL, and MLB, Ben Simmons is on that list if not atop that list. They're not trading Ben Simmons. Look, I, I understand the Kawhi Leonard stuff is out there. If you want to try to put a package together for Kawhi Leonard, that's going to include maybe a, a Sarich, a Covington, and a Fultz, maybe a 10th pick. There's, it's going to be a big package. Simmons is untouchable. You're keeping Simmons and Embiid. Those guys are staying here for as long as possible. The only way either Simmons or Embiid leaves is on their terms, is, is their decision. There's no way the Sixers are choosing to trade either one of those players. That's not happening, and I'm not going to conjecture about trading Simmons. That's that's not just that's for Howard to do. That's not for my show. Craig in South Philly, you're on WIP. What's up, Craig? All right, so just hear me out here. Now, 
Um, you know what makes me a little bit nervous? I'm a diehard Sixers fan. I'm not against the Sixers. Uh, the thing that for you to say Boston, we're in a better spot than Boston. Now that you made your point about them having too many assets, I can understand what you're saying. They are a worse defensive team when they get Hayward and, and uh, Irving back, so that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what worries me, dude? Ben Simmons really like cannot shoot at all. Yeah, but Craig, does it? That that excites me because he he did what he did. He became the the eighth player yeah. in NBA history right. to average a, the average sixteen eight and eight in a season as a rookie, and so, he can't shoot. Like what? And if, he can't shoot. What yeah, if he can shoot? Like what so if? He, what if he can? Right. Exactly. That, that's right. the point. But yeah. can I mean? And another thing is, I went on YouTube and I, I watched Markel Fultz's highlights from the one year he played in college. Looks like a different dude, guy, right? Dude, really? Oh my God! Insane. Like, what happened to him? I know. Like, I, I know. played basketball my life, dude. You. I mean, too. I, I was a shooter. I. Me too. You lose it a little bit, like you know, maybe having. You don't forget how to shoot, dude. I, I agree so, with you. It's it's hard. You it's hard to explain. It's impossible. It doesn't happen. No, you're right. It's, it's impossible. It's like throwing a baseball. You can't forget how to ride a bike or throw a baseball. No, you're right. So something. I, I don't know if it's a thing where he lost his confidence. You can lose your confidence, but still to be afraid to shoot. I think that's something he'll get back in this little workout that you're discussing with, you know, how he's at summer when Embiid and Fultz. Yep. Drew Hanlon. I mean, the, the, the trainer has said, thanks for the call, Craig. The trainer, Drew Hanlon, has said his jump shot looks great. Fultz is working hard. You can't deny his physical talent and his attributes. I mean, the kid is 6'4 with a 6'10 wingspan. He's doing windmills from the foul line. I mean, it's insane, his athleticism, his his length. His ability is undeniable. There's a reason he went number one overall. Did he have a horrible rookie season? Is it explainable? No, it's it's inexplainable. I can't comprehend it. I don't know what happened. He, they say his trainer messed up his shot. He lost confidence in, in, in a guy that, that basically raised him, and he, his personal relationship with that trainer, Keith Williams, kind of unraveled, and who knows where he was mentally. He's going to come back clean slate. I don't doubt Markel Fultz. I don't doubt Ben Simmons. Both of them couldn't shoot, and the Sixers did what they did last year. Imagine if one of them or both of them figure it out and figure out their jump shot. Just imagine the potential that's untapped on this team. The Celtics capped their potential. Terry Rozier led the NBA in three-point shooting in the playoffs. Jason Tatum averaged 20 points as a rookie and shot 36% from three. Al Horford played the best series of his life. Jalen Brown was ridiculous. The Celtics capped their potential. Now they get two players, and sure, they get two good players back, but that hurts them defensively. They have a lot of decisions to make, a lot of decisions to make, and and we can steal their assistant GM, Mike Zarin, who is my choice for to become Sixers GM, Mike Zarin, who I'll talk about later. There are a lot of things going well for the Sixers. I'm not scared of the Celtics, and I don't, I don't agree with this narrative that we should be and that Boston is better than the Sixers. I just disagree with that. I think that is completely an opinion-based narrative that I don't think that we need to, we need to accept that. The Sixers can easily be the number one seed in the East next year with or without LeBron. With or without LeBron. I don't care about LeBron. I'm not begging for LeBron James. LeBron James does not affect the, the Sixers' offseason for me. He's gravy. I'm fine. Look, worst case scenario this summer, Michael Bridges, 10th pick. Jonah Bolden comes over. Markel Fultz gets better. Simmons gets better. Embiid gets better, and his conditioning gets better. What, what's that? That's at least five extra wins, right? 
We're talking about 57 wins if they get five more wins. 58 wins. I mean, that's that's just baseline, borderline, worst-case scenario. Is, is Fultz gets better, Fultz has to get better. I mean, Fultz will get better. Simmons is going to improve. No one should doubt Ben Simmons and his ability, the way this guy works. He's in the gym nonstop. He's basically a LeBron disciple. I mean, the guy's going to work his butt off all summer long. Just look at his Instagram. He's already working. I know he's dating. He had the Kendall Jenner. Everyone wants to talk about Kendall Jenner and all, all whatever. Uh, he's in the gym. He's in the gym. Don't worry about Kendall Jenner. He's 21. He's going to have his fun. If he wants to frolic around with Kendall Jenner, please be my guest. Enjoy yourself, Ben. He's going to work. I have no doubt in my mind that this kid's going to put the work in. If there's anybody to bet on in pro sports, it's Ben Simmons. Don't bet against Ben Simmons. That's bad business. If you're in an argument with a friend or a dad or a pop-up or, or, or Bubby Phyllis, do not disagree. Do not, do not take, take the, the, the Ben Simmons is, is going to stink side. Be on Ben Simmons' side. He will reward you. It's bad business to go against Ben Simmons. Trust me on this one. 888-729-9494. I have so much to talk about. Look, I just have notes out, out of the wazoo here. Like, I just have takes all night. I have so many hot takes. 888-729-9494. Write that number down. Just call back. Like, Craig, Craig was a good caller. Craig, call again. I don't care. I just had to keep the show going. But this is just all night. I mean, four hours of this. This is real hard-hitting sports info that you don't get anywhere else. Like, Howard is talking about trading Ben Simmons. The first call on my show is Howard Eskin is talking about trading Ben Simmons. This is what I'm dealing with, people. This is what I have to deal with. So then I come on, and I have to explain to everyone the actual situation, the real information. I'm the truth. Truth serum. Andrew Porter, truth serum, truth serum show. I can't even talk. WIP Sports Times 1017. Andrew Porter show 1025. 888-729-9494. 888-729-9494. Board is lit. My phone is lit. I mean, this is what I do. I have so I don't even know where to go from here. I have so much going on. Um, I didn't even get to LeBron yet. I didn't even get to LeBron or my Markel Fultz rant, really. I kind of touched on it, but I got more. Um, I'm starting with Ben Simmons again because I'm getting texts about, you know, Ben Simmons. How are we sure about Ben Simmons? Why am I so sure about Ben Simmons? And da, da, da. Ben Simmons, of all the takes... And I tweeted this back about a month ago. Of all the takes you can have, it's amazing to me that Ben Simmons becomes the eighth player in NBA history. The eighth player, not rookie. The eighth player in NBA history to average 15, 8, and 8. And he's being doubted again heading into the summer. I mean, it's remarkable. I know he struggled shooting the ball. I know that. He knows that. I, he knows he needs to improve his free throw. He knows he needs to work on a mid-range game. He knows all that, and he will get better. He's 21 years old. In his first NBA season, he played 81 games. He was the only player in the NBA to guard four positions at least 20% of the time. He was the most versatile defender in the NBA as a rookie. He was the eighth player in NBA history to average 15-8-8. Eight, and eight. The list is like LeBron, Jordan, Westbrook, Magic, Oscar Robinson, I mean, it's ridiculous. Look it up. How can you doubt someone like that? Why would you doubt someone? Maybe he'll, maybe he'll never be able to shoot. Maybe that'll always hurt him. In 12 years, he'll lose a playoff game because he can't shoot. Sure, is that possible? I guess. But why would you doubt that? 
eight, 15, 8, and 8 as a rookie. As a rookie, if he, if he improves a tiny bit, imagine if he gets that to 17, 9, and 9. He shot 54% from the field. He was, was only taking layups and dunks, and he still averaged 15 points a game. Imagine if he gets that to 17 and a half. I mean, the, the ceiling for this guy is so uncapped. It's out of control. 888-729-9494. Earl, you're, you're on WIP. What's up, Earl? Yeah, hi, Andrew. What's up? I believe this is the first time I've ever called into the Andrew Porter Truth Serum Show. Welcome. Welcome. It's the Truth Serum Show. I have a question regarding LaFraud James. And, yes, Howard Eskin was the first media person, to my knowledge, over 10 years ago to begin referring to him as LaFraud. And I've always uh, held on to that. Very Who creative. six NBA finals. He lost six finals. Who, I don't think any no, other player's ever lost that many. Earl, no one in NBA history has made it to eight straight either, except for Bill Russell, who played against six teams. So he's yeah, made I it know. to eight straight in a row. In a Magic league. Johnson had a run in the 80s. I think he went five and four, maybe, okay. whatever it was. But before, you can't uh, fault he, him for losing in the finals when other players like Michael Jordan and, and Magic Johnson lost in earlier rounds. What's the difference? I know. I just wanted to be, uh, you know, called LaFraud just because oh, uh, I've always loved how Eskin refers to him as LaFraud James. Awesome. That's fantastic. LaFraud James. Hilarious. Put that on a billboard. LaFraud James. I mean, Howard, this is the second caller that's brought up Howard Eskin. I have a Howard story, too. I'll, I'll give it later because I misquoted him on Twitter and he lost his mind this week. Uh, Howard's the best. Um, Terry in West Philly, you're on WIP. What's up, Terry? Hey, Andrew. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Listen, I was listening to the other callers. I'm going to tell you something. We have a good, strong team. Well, LeBron, if LeBron do, if we do get LeBron, he has a good coach. The only problem with the Sixers is, is to build your bench up. Your bench wins you championships. And what I'm saying to you, if LeBron do comes to Philly, he won't have to work as hard because you got, you got Ben Simmons and you got LB and you got the bench. That's to make championships. When he comes, it'll, it'll be a lot easier on him to carry the team on his way like he did with in Cleveland. Now, with the Celtics, they got problems because they got too many stars. How are they going to keep all them stars? And they start to get better. Explain that to me. No, I don't know. They have a lot of decisions to make this summer. Because it's, um, it's crazy because we in a good position. Because they're still young. Each time Le- Le- LeBron plays basketball, it's just that um, as he gets older, they'll get stronger. He don't have to work as hard because he got, you got, you got B, you got Simmons, you got the other guys. They prove in the playoffs, he ha- you got the, the name of the key to win it. You got to have a strong bench. If you if you if you start getting foul trouble, your bench come in instant defense. Instant offense. That's what they need. Yeah. When LeBron comes in, he don't have to work as hard because you got Simmons. Because everybody's hungry for a championship. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Thanks for the call, Terry. I, I mean, <laughs> bench doesn't win championship. Bench helps you win championships. But if if LeBron was here, um, and you have Embiid, LeBron, and Simmons playing thirty-five to forty minutes a night, I mean. Your bench is going to be depleted. LeBron's going to deplete your bench. That's the thing with LeBron coming here. You're going to have to, you're going to have to sacrifice for LeBron James. The, the Sixers don't have an unlimited amount of money, so LeBron will put them at the 
at their peak in terms of salary cap. It'll put them at the limit. Um, they'll have to figure it out, and guys like Dario Saric could become expendable. Robert Covington's a tradable player, probably their only tradable contract uh, in terms of a player besides like their besides their stars. Um, so you have guys that will become expendable for LeBron James, and I've talked about how I don't want LeBron James to come here, and I, I, I'm starting to move off of that just because, look, I've been a big LeBron James fan my whole life. I love LeBron James. I think he's the best athlete I've ever seen. He's the best athlete in my lifetime that I've ever seen from start to finish. Um, I, I'm 28, so he's what he's done for the game, um, his, his intelligence, uh, the way he's conducted himself on and off the floor, I mean, it's just it's, it's impressive. And I know he gets a lot of criticism. He's a little bit about himself. He's egotistical. He flops, all that stuff. Whatever. Uh, maybe some of it's true. He, he, is, he loves the limelight. He does. It's a little bit of a drama queen show. Whatever. Fine. But he's so good, and he's such a great teammate. But no one has a bad word to say about him. Ask his teammates. Ask his coaches. Ask his players. Um, the way he dominates basketball games, eight straight finals, is just unre. It's, it's remarkable. It's unprecedented. It's almost impossible to comprehend. Three Olympics, eight straight. I mean, the way he's played through June for eight years in a row, it's remarkable. And I think he's unbelievable. And I root for him every, every time he takes the court. Um, so I don't need him to be on the Sixers for me to root for him. And I think, I, I just think people that, that need LeBron James and beg LeBron James to come here and say, we Sixers better get LeBron James or else they're not good enough. I, I just think that's discounting how good Ben Simmons will be, how good Markel Fultz will be, and I still believe in Markel Fultz, and we can get into that how good Joel Embiid will be when he gets better conditioning and, and works on his body and, and plays another full season. I mean, these guys still have so much room to go. Dario Saric, who shot 40% from three in his second season after coming over from Turkey, I mean, he may be one of the most underrated athlete in Philadelphia. Dario Saric is an incredible athlete. He has all-star potential. They potentially four all-stars in that core four group. And you re-sign J.J. Redick. You draft a Michael Bridges. You maybe sign a, a second-tier free agent. Jonah Bolden comes over. I, I really believe in this basketball team with or without LeBron James. And I think, and I, I just want to see them do it without him. Like, I want to see what their ceiling is without him. Now, if they get him, I'll be happy. It'll be great. It'll be cool. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. LeBron will sell tickets, and ratings will be up, and web, web traffic will be great. It's going to be great. I'm not going to hate on it, but I don't need LeBron James to be here for me to get excited about the Sixers next season. I think they're going to win 50-plus games with or without LeBron James, and I think they will contend for the number one seed in the East next year. Shannon in Georgia, you're on WIP. What's up, Shannon? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for calling. From Georgia. Hey, even though I absolutely disagree with most of the things you said this evening, I'm going to be nice and just, you know, just call out a few points of why I disagree. No, you okay? can be. You don't have to be nice about it. You know, it just, it's okay. I mean, I mean, you know, I've been... I, I, I've been a Sixers fan since Al Greer, man, and Doug Collins, man. I go back really far with this. And uh, just two points I want to tell you. You know, Boston, um, it, it, it's absurd to think that, you know, we've got a higher ceiling at this time than Boston. You know, if you took our two best players off our team and, you know, you take two best players off the team and they're still five minutes from going to the NBA Finals. I mean, come on. You know, we couldn't guard their backup point guard, and they got one of the top five players in the league coming back playing point guard last year. He's not a top and, five and, player. And, Oh, okay. Well, you know what? We can disagree on that. That's fine. But he's at least a top ten player. Kyrie Irving is is fun, is a phenom, a phenom, uh, all star NBA player. And right now, the better, the best player right now, uh, than, than on the Sixers or the Celtics right now. Don't get me wrong. Embiid's going to be a, a beast 
for the next 10 years. I'm believing that. But right now, Kyrie Irving is, is, is the man. It's just, it's just reality. We can't deny that. I don't think he's better than Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid has a more has bigger impact on both ends of the basketball court than, than Kyrie Irving. Yeah, but whatever, and whatever. And when we talk about these things and ceilings, you know, that's how we end up with guys like Markel Fultz. And that's how Boston ends up with our lottery pick next year. You know, I, I, I can't under I, I overstate how poor a decision that was to draft that young man. I have nothing personally against him. I just don't believe in his game. Uh, I think he's very overrated. I think he's very slow afoot. When I got to see him in person um, last year, actually, uh, I, I felt he was very slow afoot, and that came through in the NBA in, in the games this year. He couldn't stick with anybody. Got his shot blocked more than anybody on the team in such a limited. I mean, I mean he, he played. He played thirteen. He played like fourteen games. I mean, it was such a small sample size. He's nineteen years old. Of course, he's going to get a shot blocked. Isaiah Thomas don't get a shot blocked. Isaiah that Thomas is thirty-one. Isaiah Thomas is how tall? Yeah, five, he's, eight, five, he's been in the league for ten years. He wasn't good out of college. Isaiah hadn't been in the league for that long, and plenty of guys come out of college their first year, including that dude in Boston that dominated in that series against us. Uh, I, I think you saw that, right, Jason Tatum? Yeah, Jason Tatum had a great season. Jason Tatum's a great player. And, 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 and with these guys, Isaiah Thomas averaged 11.5 points as a rookie. Kobe Bryant averaged 7 points as a rookie. Kawhi Leonard averaged 7 points as a rookie. I mean, you're talking about 19-year-old kid. You're going to, I mean, how do you know? Isaiah Thomas wasn't the first pick in the draft. And when's the last time some just a, GM, a lottery pick to move up to the first pick in the NBA draft? No, I okay, agree. Okay. It was a bad trade. Th- thanks for the call, Shannon. It was a bad trade. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. That they didn't need to give up an extra pick. But to f- to sit here and say that Jason Tatum is flat out going to have a better career than Markel Fultz is uh, is an opinion. But I don't. That's not factual. It's it's based off of of one season. You can't you can't make a definitive point about someone's career after one season. He had mental issues. Fultz did. He went through some things. I don't know what the situation was, but you can look. He was the FIBA MVP for for USA under eighteen team, which included Jason Tatum. He was the best player on that team. He won MVP that year. He was in college. He averaged nineteen six and six. Like he has all the tools to be great. Something happened with his jump shot, which messed him up mentally. His shoulder injury, his jump shot, his relationship with his trainer, all that stuff inclusive. That messed him up, and, and it, it forced him into a really weird and complexing rookie season. There's no doubt about it. But to, to say he's bad and he's never going to be good at basketball is a leap. That's a stretch, in my opinion. I just disagree with that. I flat out disagree with it. And if Markel Fultz is a stock, you can get him so low right now, and I'm buy, buy, buy. That's my brand. I like defending people. I just I enjoy that. I think he's a talented kid. He wants to be good. He's going to work hard. He has a good, strong foundation there. He, he's playing with good young team. He has a Brett Brown. They have a core in place to get him in the right frame of mindset. And I would not be shocked if he comes back next year and averaged double-digit points. His floor right now is so low. that The expectations on him are so low that he can go out and just play ball. And I think he's going to do that. I really, I really do believe in Markel Fultz. I think he's going to come back and have a really – productive NBA career and close that gap between Jason Tatum. And when we, it's all said and done, I think it's going, it's going to be fine. 888-729-9494. It's the Andrew Porter truth serum show. It's 1038. 
I want to know who my representing it here tonight. Hold on, hold on. Fans Reporter Show, 1045. Talking a lot of Sixers and NBA tonight. Summer of LeBron is underway. I talked about how I'm conflicted. Um, I've made the point that I do not want LeBron James here just because I think it diminishes how good this team can be without him, and I want to see them reach their full potential. I'm just curious to see how far they can go organically. I want to be, I want to say how good they're going to be, and I want to be proven right about that. But if LeBron comes, that kind of it kind of washes it all away, and it makes us the, the perennial favorites in the East, which is also fun, but just a different route. Um, so you can call me crazy for that. That's just my personal feeling as a sports fan. I understand the franchise will want LeBron. The franchise will, of course, take LeBron. They'll recruit LeBron. They'll pitch LeBron. Um, as a fan, I don't need LeBron. I can root for LeBron wherever he goes. I always have. I think he's a great player. He's the best athlete I've ever seen in my life from start to finish. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this team do it organically with these guys. I want to see Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid carry this thing and Markel Fultz and Dario Saric. I mean, I love, I love the way this team is constructed. I love Brett Brown and what he's done for this franchise. I think he's so underrated in pro sports. And once he wins a championship, because we need, we need results to, to signify greatness because if, unless you win, you can't be considered great. I get that. It's the way the media works. It's sad, but it's true. But as soon as Brett Brown wins a championship, he'll be great. Like, I think Brett Brown's a better coach than Doug Peterson, but that's blasphemy because Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, so that you, I'd be crazy. But I don't need Brett Brown to win a championship for me to know that he's great at his job. He's an unbelievable basketball mind. And I think one day he will win a championship, and then everyone will say, it's just like Jay Wright. It's like as soon as Jay Wright wins, now he's a great college coach. We were talking about firing him two years before he won. It's just ridiculous. Why do we need to see someone win? Why can't we have some foresight and just say, like, Brett Brown is a great coach? Yeah, he's going to make bad decisions at times, but he built this program. He's a great basketball mind. Anyway, um, LeBron talked about leaving the other day at his press conference. This was interesting. Here's LeBron. The odds are all over the place. I mean, you have some some sports books have the Sixers and the Cavs up front, some of the Lakers. Um, the rumors are everywhere. There's a rumor that Kyrie wants to play for the Knicks. There's a rumor. The NBA is nuts. I mean, there's a rumor LeBron will contact Durant about teaming up somewhere else. There's another rumor about LeBron joining the Warriors. There's a rumor that, that Pop is all in to get LeBron to join the Spurs. There's one about Paul George bringing LeBron to the Lakers and joining him in L.A. There's one about LeBron and Chris Paul joining the Lakers. It's just it's complete mayhem. It's just insane. There's no, there's no slam dunk option for LeBron. I think his best option is honestly the Sixers, but he doesn't have a slam dunk option here. He's in a really tough spot, and it's a really interesting situation that will unravel over the next month. Mark in South Jersey wants to talk Sixers. What's up, Mark? What's going on, man? What's Listen, up? Man, I, 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 I pretty much agree with everything you're saying. Um, I think we'll be fine with or without LeBron. Um. You know, I think Ben Simmons and Embiid, these guys are transcendental players, man. Like, and they're passionate about the game. They love the game. They're in the gym already working out, man. And, you know, I, I, I think Kyrie's a good player, but I don't think he's transcendent. And, you know, Gordon Hayward, he's just an, he's a good player, but he's not great. I don't think Jason Tatum is transcendent. And, you know, I think because we have two transcendent players, 
I think that alone will be able to talk Boston for what they have right now. You know, so I don't think that they're, like, that much farther than us right now. You know, so I think next year, like, like you said, man, I think next year we can compete for our number one seed with Boston with or without LeBron, man. I agree, but, man. You know, yeah, but, you know, if he comes here, it's, it's all gravy. It's all gravy. All gravy. Exactly. He's a, he's a phenomenal athlete, and, you know, he knows how to take care of his body, and I think that would be something valuable for MB to learn from someone like him because we've seen Embiid, you know, he, he, he was he was fatigued out of stretch and he wasn't able to impact the game and finish the game like yeah. the superstars are able to do, like Durant and Curry yep. and LeBron, you know. so There's still some I immaturity think, in, in Embiid's game yes, and he could yes, learn from yes. LeBron for sure. Yes, I agree. And, yep. you know, I just think the fans are prisoners of the moment. Exactly. And the last moment they remember is us losing 4 one to Boston. So, you know, now everyone is thinking like, man, Boston is just... Miles and miles ahead of us, but I completely disagree. I mean that the series that series was close. I mean the Sixers had big leads in almost all of those games. Absolutely, man. And the first year of Ben Simmons and Embiid playing together, right? We won fifty-two games, right? The fans are just forgetting about that. These guys are going to get so much better. It's unbelievable. Their, their potential is untapped, like you said. That's man. what I'm saying. I man, preach it, Mark. Preach it. These guys are going to be complete peace. I, I agree. And, and, and it just seems like the fans just completely forget that that we we finished the, the season winning seventeen straight games. Right. I mean, uh, right. Look at this, Andrew. The Minnesota Timberwolves. A couple years ago, Brett Brown said they were miles ahead of us, years ahead of us. And it took them to get Jimmy Butler before they even could make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, and, and, and it just took us one season of Embiid and Simmons playing together for us to, to win 52 games and make the playoffs. They doubled their win total. And thanks for the call, Mark. It's a great call. And I, I mean, we, we are on the same page. Like, it's crazy to me that I have to sit up here and a, and a, and a topic, and a topic. What are we talking about? Are we talking about Prack? We're talking about Simmons? We're talking about Simmons? Like, that's a radio topic that I have to defend Ben Simmons? Like, in Philadelphia? We still doubt Ben Simmons? Are you guys crazy? Did we watch the same? Did our eyes watch the same thing? I know he struggled shooting the ball, but he he averaged 15, 8, and 8. Damn near a triple-double. He's the rookie of the year. He should have been he should have been an all-NBA defender. He should have been an all-star. He's 21. When Mark, Mark talked about transcendent talents, and, and the Celtics have a lot of good players, but transcendent is a word you can't just throw around. But Joe, what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have, they have abilities that, that we, you don't just see. Like You can go decades without seeing a 7'2 guy with that kind of ability who can handle the ball and shoot the ball like Embiid. You can go... You can go 20 years without seeing something like that. You can go a long time without seeing a player like that. Ben Simmons is a 6'10 point guard who basically doesn't know what hand he shoots with, so he shoots with both. He can pass the ball and has court vision among the best in the NBA. He was fourth in the NBA in assists as a rookie at 21. He's 6'10. He never played point guard before. He steps in the NBA and is fourth in the league in, in assists. At 6'10", 200 pounds. At 21, he, barely, he couldn't even drink when the season started. He could not get into a bar when the season started. 
that's transcendent. You might never see another 6'10 point guard. I mean, I don't know. I guess the game keeps evolving and it keeps getting better. And, and that's the way the NBA is going. We're seeing these guys, like these unicorns, happen all the time now. And it's, like, it's, an, it's an amazing thing to see. But if you look around the league, man, there aren't guys that look like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It just, these guys are insane. And we have them in Philadelphia. Wrap your arms around them. Maybe they'll lose in the playoffs next year. Who cares? Maybe they, they don't win the championship next year. Maybe it takes them three, four years to win a championship. What, who can enjoy it and enjoy the process, right? The Eagles won the Super Bowl. It's all over now. And here we are in the summer arguing again about Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and, and Mike Wallace. And we're, we're doing the same thing we've been doing. It, we're, we, don't, we don't yearn championships as sports fans. You think you do. But you really yearn is the process, the enjoyment of being a sports fan. You yearn the games, the excitement, waking up on a Sunday morning and knowing your team's in the NFC Championship and going to the stadium to tailgate. It's not the win. It's the experience. Embrace the process. Enjoy the experience. There will be losses along the way, but conflict and struggle make it that much more enjoyable. That's the whole point of it. If it was so easy, like, the, did you see the Warriors celebrate last night? Golden State the other night? They didn't act like they didn't even care. I mean, it wasn't even fun for them. They had no struggle. They knew they were supposed to win. They were favorites to win. If they lost, they would have been, they would have fell on their face. So they had to win. And they won, and it was like, ah, big deal. We won. Who, who's the MVP? I don't know. And let's, let's move on. Where's LeBron going? It, it was, the NBA Finals was basically a precursor to where LeBron James will go. Nobody cared about the finals. They knew it was Golden State was going to win. There was no struggle, no conflict. The Sixers built this thing from ground floor. They built it from ground zero. Sam Hinkie came in, ripped it apart. We argued for years. He was right. We were right. Brian Colangelo comes in, burner gate. They knock him out. Brett Brown's been here. He gets a contract extension. Embiid is hurt for two years. Simmons breaks his foot. He's hurt. Fultz can't shoot. I mean, it's all part of the drama. When will Dario come over? It's just so much fun. This process is everything we could have wished for. It's the best thing in sports. As a sports fan, you can't ask for anything better than this. They're the most interesting team in the city, and it's not even close. I know the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but they're boring. I mean, Carson Wentz is their, is their, is their best storyline, and it's like, will, when will he play? I mean, the, the Sixers are the most interesting team in the city, one of the most interesting teams in sports, and that's a credit to the NBA and what they've done, and we can talk about that, and we will. But, man, I, I don't know. Wrap your arms around this process. That's how I feel. 888-729-9494-1120 is Brian Jacobs, a Sixers blogger, SixersFrontOffice.net. Um, he was involved in this. Barbara Botini was tweeting at Brian Jacobs, and he'll talk about that at 1120. It's a wild story. I don't even know the details. I'm just kind of bringing them on dark, and we're just, I'm just going to ask him like, just to explain what the hell happened. Uh, Andrew Porter Show, it's 1057. Two, Andrew Porter Show. You can tweet me at A-N-D underscore Porter throughout the show. Give us a call, 888-729-9494. Motion's behind the glass. Uh, Mark Arnold at 4Philla4Life tweets me. Andrew, trust me, I always enjoy the process our teams go through, but it doesn't ultimately result in a title. It's a failed process. It's all about winning titles, baby. I get it. I get it, but who's to say this team won't? Like, let's have some conviction and some trust in this team. I think they're going to win one. Um, Jim Hackett, my buddy, tweets me, good move defending. I don't know him personally, but he's a great listener of mine. Uh, good move defending 25. Your thoughts on Malik Rose as GM? 
and Lonnie Walker at 10. Um, Malik Rose as GM, that seems a little bit rushed. I like Malik Rose. I think he's a smart guy, but I think Mike Zarin is the guy. I know David Griffin has been the hot name. I think Mike Zarin is the assistant GM of Boston, is the guy. I, he uh, interviewed for the job in 2013 with Hinky. He lost out to Hinky. He's a Massachusetts native and a Celtics fan, which stinks, but I'll get over that. He's a really smart guy. He's a cap guy. He worked under Daryl Morey. Uh, he's just a smart guy, so Mike Zarin's my guy. I like Lonnie Walker, but at 10, I like Michael Bridges more. I think he fits perfectly what the Sixers need. I think he gets a kind of a bad rap for a guy who can't create a shot, but I think he's better at that than most people think. He's a really good shooter. He's going to be an NBA shooter. He's a, he's a versatile defender. He's long. He's smart. He wants to learn the game, uh, and I really like Michael Bridges, and I think he would fit nicely for the Sixers as a bench piece. 888-729-9494. It is the summer of LeBron, and it has started. Um, but as I, as I mentioned earlier, the finals were basically a precursor to this summer because, like, we all knew the Golden State was going to win this the championship this year. I mean, Houston took them, you know, to the brink. But Golden State was the favorites, and they completed three out of four, three championships in four years. But now everything changes because now LeBron can opt out and now the gap closes. Golden State might win next year, but the gap is going to close and a lot of players are going to move around and a lot of things are going to change. And like the Sixers are coming, the Celtics are coming, the Timberwolves are coming. There are these young franchises that are coming and LeBron has a big decision to make this summer. The, the, The Kevin Durant decision to go to Golden State wasn't the right decision for his career. Fine, I guess. I just, I just don't respect it when you lose to a team and then you go and join forces with them. I just don't like it. That's the nature of the NBA. That's the nature of the beast. And and there's no one that we can blame more than ourselves. We created this. We created this culture where, in order to be the best player in your sport, you have to win championships. You have to win X amount of championships. And LeBron can't be greater than Jordan until he wins six. And Kevin Durant can't be a great player until he wins championships. And and that narrative spun out of control in both in every sport. Alex Ovechkin isn't good until he wins the Stanley Cup. All this nonsense, like it's team sports and championships are a part of it, but it's not the end-all be-all. And we can say LeBron James is greater than Michael Jordan even if he has less championships. That That's a reasonable thing to say. And Kevin Durant was great in Oklahoma City. I didn't need Kevin Durant to go to Golden State and win championships for me to say that he's one of the greatest players of all time. He was already one of the greatest players of all time. And I would have respected one in Oklahoma City more than 100 in Golden State. That's just the way I feel. But this, the, the media creates this crazy narrative where all that matters is championships. And you're not good if you don't win a championship. Do you know how hard it is to win a championship or how much luck is involved? Like a bounce of a ball, like especially in football. And when we talk about like Brady's the greatest ever, Brady's the greatest quarterback ever, he very well might be. But Aaron Rodgers isn't just as good as Brady. Just because Rodgers won one ring... Like, Rodgers didn't have Belichick. Rodgers didn't have that defense. Rodgers is a heck of a player. I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks. Is Brady automatically the greatest because he won six titles? He's just automatically the greatest. No, he won six. He's the best. Like, there are other factors. It's team sports. There's He's not even on the field for defense. I mean, if Russell Wilson, that whole Seahawks thing happened. I mean, this happens in every sport. Alex Ovechkin is one of the greatest hockey players ever. Ever. And I was happy to see him win a cup so people can shut up about him not being a winner and like how, you know, the Capitals can just choke. It doesn't have anything to do with Ovechkin. Like when the Flyers lose, we blame Giroux. It's just so, it's so, 
nonsensical. It just makes no sense. It, it, we're, we're not talking about golf or tennis. Everybody is involved in a team sport. There are so many factors and elements that, that go into it that it's just unfair to talk about all that matters is championships. And that's the culture we created. So that's why Durant left and joined Golden State. And that's why LeBron's going to leave and join a team where he can win championships because he can't be better than Jordan until he wins more championships. That's all we care about. 888-729-9494. Levi is on WIP. What's up, Levi? Hey, hey listen, Rose Show. You know, um, before you come to work, don't drink. You know, because it, it comes right out in you. I, I, I don't way, drink. I, I know you don't. I'm just messing with you. Once in a while. Know, listen, the, the bottom line being, it is about championships. It's not about, you know, we, we've built this team already. We got what we know, the players we need. Now we need those free agents to come in here and help this team win championships. I'm not willing to wait another five years till these guys get it ready. They're not ready right now to beat Boston. Let's know when the championship. What are you talking about? Five years down the line? I, I don't I don't I don't know when, but what if LeBron comes here and they lose to Golden State? Well, I believe this. I believe you need LeBron plus another good player. It's just not going to just take LeBron to do it. But they can't. They, but they can't afford that. Sure, they got draft picks. We don't need no more young players. We don't need to be drafted. No more young players. Yeah, but we, there's, we've had, there's a cap. There's a salary cap, and they only have twenty five million. And once you pay LeBron, you're at the brink. And then eventually, you have to pay Simmons, and you have to pay Sarich, and then you have to pay Fultz in three years. And like they just can't pay everybody. First of all, these guys have got to prove themselves. Their games have to get considerably that much better. But they talk about being paid. I mean, really. Well, Simmons, right now, Simmons is going to get a max contract in two years, and Sarge is going to get paid in two years. And too. I hope in the next two years that he improves his offensive game, too. Now, you say he's averaging a triple-double. That sounds good on paper. But we know when it comes time for him to put points on the board and for him to take the big shot, he's not there to do he's it. Not a, he's not a scorer. He's, I mean, is Draymond Green a scorer? Is Scottie Pippen a scorer? You can be a great player without being a scorer. He's not, a, he's not an assassin scorer. Draymond Green's game and Ben Simmons' game are two different games all together. No, I agree. Green I, is, I agree. There's a bruiser in there. He's not trying to get uh, anything. But I'm just saying they're not they're great players that aren't straight scorers. Like you don't have to be Kobe Bryant and, and to be a, to be a great player. You don't have to be Michael Jordan. There there are players that do other things than score. No, so I'm just saying. I just I just look at it a little bit different. I know. You know, I go. I, I watch the '83 championship. Okay, I watch when Doc said, "We owe you one," and it lasted three years of that. We owe you one. Okay. I know. I know. I I, I, I respect it. I respect where you're coming from. I I understand. And I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, we got some good players, but all of them have flaws in their game to the point where they need a, a hell of a lot of improvement before they'll be ready to go and try to win something. I, I understand. And, and I, need, I need a player to come in here that's going to teach along with everything else. And LeBron can be a teacher, teach them guys how to be physically fit, teach those guys how, you know, to be a champion. He's a champion. Whether you want to... Like him or not, the guy knows how to win, and that team he had, he took five guys from UPS and and, and, and himself, and then that's what they got to the championship with that. You're right. He gave him some players, and then he can win. I agree, I Levi. Thanks for, thanks for the call. And LeBron, LeBron comes to Philly, and they are the favorites to, to come out of the East, and they will 
be in the finals and they'll have a chance to win the championship. I'm not, I don't disagree with any of that, but when you're, when you're talking about Fultz and Simmons and Sarge and Embiid having flaws in their game, of course, of course. When Le- Levi, I mean, he's off the line now, but I bet when Levi was 21, you had flaws in your, in your, you know, personal repertoire. I mean, when I was a kid out of college, we all have flaws. No, nobody's perfect. Why, embrace it. Like, Nelson Aguilar was terrible his first two years. It took Brandon Graham six years to become Brandon Graham. Fletcher Cox wasn't Fletcher Cox right away. Chris Long. I mean, these Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins got traded. The Saints traded him. He, he was bad. The, the Saints were happy. The, the fans were so happy to get rid of Malcolm Jenkins. Jalen Mills was a seventh-round pick. I mean, everybody has flaws. You have to let let the flaws happen. Embrace the flaws. But you look at the good things. Like, I don't look at their flaws. I don't look at Ben Simmons' inability to shoot. I look at his ability to do everything else at an elite level. Yes, he's not a great shooter, and he needs to improve his offensive game. That is obvious. Anybody can say that. And you... you my, you know, your great grandmom can say that. Anyone can turn on a TV and say, oh, that guy can't shoot. He stinks at shooting. It's not about shooting. The game isn't shooting. That's not the game. Carmelo's a great shooter. Do you want Carmelo? Like, it's not just shooting. There are other aspects to basketball. There's so many things involved. Athleticism, passing, defense, team. It's a team game. So, yes, he's limited in in his offensive game, but he will get better. Why do we focus on the flaws? Yes, Fultz needs a better jump shot, and all that is is true. All that exists. But it's not an end-all, be-all. They will get better. It's not game over. It's not like 2018, game over. This is is it for Embiid. This is it for Simmons. Like, this will be Simmons forever. Kawhi Leonard took four years to average 20 points a game. It took him four years. He averaged seven points as a rookie. Kobe Bryant averaged seven points as a rookie. He started six games as a rookie. Jimmy Butler, it took him four years to average 20 points a game. It, Steph, Steph Curry wasn't an all-star until year four or something like that. It takes time. These guys are in year one. One. They're entering year two. It's, it's Embiid's second summer healthy. I mean, we have to have some patience. I understand we want a championship. We deserve a championship. We just got a Super Bowl, right? They just won the Super Bowl. The Phillies won a World Series in, in 2008. Villanova won two national championships since. And the, and the Eagles just won a Super Bowl. So we can be a little bit patient, right? A tiny bit patient. Big E in Woodbury Heights here on WIP. What's up, Big E? Hey, guys. How are you doing? What's up? Um... Levi is always on the air, and he made some really good points about the Sixers. Here we go. Um, I think that Colangelo getting fired or resigning was a good decision. That's number one. The guy from Cleveland, the old general manager with LeBron, I don't know the name. I talked to Mr. Producer. David Griffin. That guy is the guy you got to bring in. Okay. Okay. Is that it? No. Okay. And the Phillies. And the Phillies. Okay. I hate the Phillies, 
because they have. Well, you don't hate them because you, you're calling about them, so you don't hate them. You're mad at them. I'm mad at them. Right. Yes, you don't, I don't hate, hate them. them. Right. They're better than they were last year. Right. They're 32 and 30 through 62 games. If I were to tell you that in in I December, like the coach. if I would have I said, like the coach. right. They're struggling. And They're struggling. The analytics or whatever they call it, right? Right, analytics. And uh, Reese comes off the DL, yep. right? Right, correct. It's a home run. That's, that's going to help them. That is Maybe that is they nice. can shuffle up the lineup somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe. We'll see what happens. We will. I think that uh, the $30 million pitcher is really frustrated. Jake Arrieta. Yeah. Yep. Seems frustrated. What he's angry. Think? I think he's angry. He- he has no batting support. I think he's got a great-looking body. He just looks great sometimes. Well, yeah, he's Jack. pitches are good. He has no uh, offensive help. Why can't Jake Arrieta beat the Cubs? You know, he played for the Cubs. He should know where all what all their hitters are thinking. Like, he should know where to put the ball because he knows them so well. He should be able to kill the Cubs, right? Thanks for the call, Big E. I don't think I feel like Jake Arrieta should should beat the Cubs. You know, it's his old team. You can't lose to your old team. Phillies. I'll, I'll get into the Phillies. I'll give a Phillies rant if you want. They're thirty two and thirty through sixty two games. Big deal. It's exact. It's fine. They they are what we thought they were. Eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. Brian Jacobs coming up on the other side. Um, Brian is a Sixers blogger who was directly involved with this Barbara Botini nonsense. Uh, so I wanna, I'm excited to talk to Brian. I've never interviewed him or talked to him before. I messaged him on Twitter, and uh, I think this is his first appearance on WIP. And we'll see what he has to say. Should be interesting. Coming up in five minutes. Andrew Porter Show, WIP Sports Time, 1117. 11.23, Andrew Porter Show. Waiting for that beat to drop. It just didn't. 888-729-9494. There it comes. Brian Jacobs joining us now from Sixers front office blog.net. What's up, Brian? Brian, you there? Yeah, what's up? What's up, Brian? Thanks for thanks for calling in. I need to I wanted to to be honest, I don't really know where to start. Like all this stuff happened. For people that don't under, don't know what happened with the Burner Gate situation, um you were tweeted at by Barbara Botini, right? Like, can you like just walk us through your your role in this whole thing and like how you experienced this whole Burner Gate situation? Get people caught. I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. I thought you, I was going to talk about Jalil Okafor. Yeah, we can. We can do that later. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I was just sitting at dinner one night and um, I got a message from one of the bloggers over at Liberty Ballers um, telling me that uh, yeah, so your name just came up a little bit in, in an article by the Ringer. So my first uh, reaction was like, like what? What was that all about? You know what I mean? So I looked over and I saw that some of my old tweets were brought up by uh, by Ben Dietrich, who published the article. And when I look back at it, I mean, it's just so funny because when you look back at those tweets, I mean, I remember speaking with, uh, with Eric Jr. And he was just persistent. You know what I mean? Just so persistent, always had something to say. And you obviously have no idea you're speaking with uh, Brian Colangelo's wife. I mean, that's the last thing you expect. But I mean... <laughs> It's just all it's all funny, but when you look back on it, I mean, you feel bad for Brian. I'm a little bit, but if you know about it, obviously it's a different story. Are, are, so were you a pro hinky guy, and is that how this started, or oh, were man. you defending Colangelo? 
or both? I was very, very pro Hinky. I was. Right. I'm all about. I'm all about the process. I mean, I never. I'm not one of the people that think Colangelo did a terrible job. I think he did just fine. He like he he did what he needed to do in order for the Sixer to not sink. But he didn't do anything. He didn't go out of the way. And I think Spike talked about this on uh, on on Right Ricky Sanchez. He said that he he didn't make the move that some of the moves that he could have, and and he had a lot of opportunities, but he didn't mess anything up. And I think that's the stance that Mike took on on the podcast. But I mean, it's just when I look back on it, I mean, Hinky he had the raw deal, obviously, and he should still be here, and he should be seeing this through right now. And I think most people agree with that but there's obviously the uh, the faction of people that don't but the interesting thing with this whole thing is the fact that everybody was really on the same page about this no matter if they were pro hinky or pro colangelo or, or whatnot because it was just so obvious that he had something to do with it or, or barb did 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 you um interact with any other of the accounts or just eric jr because i was on one of the the, the still balling account like my Michael Bridges tweet and Derek did a story <laughs> on that. So I was, I was in it too, but like, did you just talk to the Eric jr. Account? So the funny thing is that I feel as if I may have been contacted more by still balling, but I can't see the tweets because they're private. I right. think some people can, there's some people on Twitter that can still view those, but he still balling. I remember uh, more recently, pretty vividly that still balling seemed a little bit more, um, not as much broken English as the Eric Jr. account, which obviously is because uh, Barbara Bottini is Italian, and, and I think he could see some of the broken English in her, in her speech. But right. I think still Bowen was was her and Brian, uh, to be honest. But, yeah, that account reached out to me a ton. Um, Reddit had a theory that Jerry was involved in one of or some of the accounts. Are you buying that or no? Well, I mean, there was a there was a post. And I don't I don't remember if this was to me or to somebody else, but like he said something along the lines of, "As a seventy seven year old man." Yeah, yeah, I saw that. But like that, I don't know how old Jerry is, but I assume he's not uh, fifty five. He's seventy eight. <laughs> he's seventy eight. Yeah, actually, so, I so. mean, he he could have sent that when he was seventy seven. So I mean, there's always that chance, and right. and the Colangelo's, from what I've gathered, are, are out there to preserve their name. Um, so when you're tweeting these things. And um, you have no idea who's reading them. Obviously, you have no idea who's listening to this right now. So right. Brian Colangelo could be lounging and listening to me talk about him right now. So it's, it's weird. And you, when you tweet something, man, you never know. So it's just it's very strange. Brian Jacobs joining us now at Brian Mike Jacobs on Twitter. Give him a follow. Um, let's talk Sixers a little bit. There's so much to talk about with this team in the summer, and it's it's just fun. It's fun to be a Sixers writer, reporter, radio host, anything fan. Uh, it's just, it's an awesome time. I, I started my show with like, I, I, I'm talking about this narrative that everyone's assuming or saying like it's factual that the Celtics are better off than the Sixers right now. And I, I kind of dispute that. Um, what's your take on the way these franchises line up right now, Sixers, Celtics? Well, I mean, right now, obviously, you're looking back on the playoffs and you see the fact that we lost and they didn't have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And it makes you a little bummed out. But I mean, this off season is so massive for the franchise. And I mean, in order to, for us to really take the next step, we really do need to, to add one of the big three. And I, when I say big three, it's either a Kawhi via trade. It's either um, LeBron or Paul George. I think it's very vital that we add one of those three guys. And if we don't, we can still make it work. Um, I've heard people talk about, the possibility of maybe like an Aaron Gordon or, um, or somebody like that. And, and there's other people that are saying, I mean, just hit some singles and sign Wayne Ellington, uh, bring JJ back, bring Marco back, bring our son back. But I think you really, you see it, everybody sees it. You need to have superstars in this league. And, and LeBron is obviously 
the guy that everybody's talking about. But honestly, I think Paul George is a better fit because of his perimeter defense and his ability to shoot. And it really all hinges to go back on uh, what everybody's thinking about the elephant in the room. It all hinges on what Markel Fultz does. I mean, he he needs uh, to absorb everything that Drew Hanlon's showing him right now. He's training with him, and that dude is a is a master. And he's gonna. I think he's gonna help Markel a lot. And I, I assume that he's gonna be better than he was last year. Yeah. No. And you you hit on a lot of good stuff there. Um, I agree with you that Paul George is look look. LeBron is LeBron, but in terms of on the court, uh, he yeah. he contrast with with he conflicts with Simmons a little bit because they do some of the same things I mean I'm sure they'd figure it out maybe LeBron plays away from the ball a little bit more I don't know but you know he does conflict stylistically with Ben a little bit um what's your are you like if you had to rank him is LeBron like your number one guy or are you a little bit conflicted yourself on LeBron well, I mean, I, LeBron's number one for me just because he's LeBron, and I know he's he's 34, I believe. I think he just turned 34. He's around there, and he's he's LeBron. He's he's the best player in the world right now. KD may have something to say about that, from what we just saw, but, I mean, you see the help that he had. But, anyway, I mean, when I said that I, I think Paul George might be the better fit, I mean, he's not LeBron. I think if you have LeBron on your team, he has the ability to to mesh in, and he even brought up the fact that he might want to play off ball which means Ben Simmons at point guard or point forward. And you have, like, LeBron James at small forward with maybe, like, a Fultz if he's starting at shooting guard. Or you got a, you got Embiid at center. So, I mean, my, my lineup when I'm thinking of next year, if we sign LeBron James, would be something along the lines of uh, Ben Simmons at point guard. You got um, Markell at shooting guard. If he can start, obviously, that's, that's a big if. And right now, I think the safer bet is that Rocco will be at shooting guard. Small forward would be James. Power forward would be, I mean, you could put Dario off the bench, but, I mean, he's just so good. I, I love Dario. Same. I don't think you can really, yeah, I don't think you could bring him off the bench, but I see why you would and move Rocco to small forward and obviously Embiid center. Yeah, it's an attractive lineup for sure. Um, Tenth pick in the draft, who do you like there and what do you think they do? Oh, man, I mean, I am very conflicted about the guy, and I'm starting to come around on him. And I was just telling somebody literally earlier today that I don't think I want him. But, I mean, you look at Michael Bridges. I mean, he he is, he is looks like – it seems like he has such a low ceiling because I honestly – I've been saying he's a rich man's Hollis Thompson. And it's yeah. just it's, – that's what it seems like. But at the same time, I mean, he, he's 22 years old. I get that. But – we're at a, we're at a point right now in the franchise where a 22 year old. I mean, who cares? Yeah, we can you use gotta, a, We can use a little yeah. bit of experience in terms of yeah, a rookie. I mean, he can shoot. He can finish around the rim. He's a great off ball catching shot guy. I mean, he's he's somebody that I think would mesh right in perfectly, and he would take um, Justin Anderson's minutes, which I'm devastated about because I love Justin. Anderson. But but I mean, he'd come off the bench in that like in that Ersan or Marco role. Um, and that would mean that you wouldn't need to bring back one of those guys. You'd save some salary. Um, I really want them to bring J.J. back, and I think that I'm, – I'm assuming here, I'm throwing this out there, but there's a good chance that he could have accepted that massive one-year contract with, like, a under-the-table agreement to come back at a, at a better rate. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I agree, and I think that if Colangelo would have done that, that's a, that's a nice little rung under his belt for him. Um <laughs> General manager, the names that are being out out there, the, the top two, I guess I would say, are David Griffin and Mike Zarin. Some internal names have been thrown around. I've talked a lot about Mike Zarin tonight just because he intrigues me. He interviewed for the job in 13. He's a smart guy, uh, analytics guy. 
What's your take on this GM search, and who do you think they land with? I'm 100% in on Mike Zarin. That's, that I agree with you 100% on that. Um, I think David Griffin is obviously – he's accomplished. He he is um, 100% the choice of the people that really want LeBron, and they have blind faith in the 76ers signing LeBron. Because you, you see David Griffin, and you're like, oh, that means that we're going to get LeBron if we get him, and that doesn't mean that at all. Right. It just means that we might have a slightly better chance. But what if you sign this dude to – three or four years and you don't get LeBron you're in a you're in a bit of a, a weird state and you're not signing the you're not uh, bringing in the GM that is best for your team and I, I was saying this earlier to somebody this GM hire is so massive for this team because really ownership if they, they need to hit on this because you look back they struck out on Hinky with I mean, not not for what he did but because of the fact that it was a bad image for the for the owners at the end because they had to force the guy out and then secondly this whole Colangelo thing comes out. He didn't. He was never really popular in the city. And second of all, it ended like it did by his wife um, getting ran over by a bus. <laughs> so I mean, but at the end of the day, this is. Uh, I mean, not to use a cliche term, third time's a charm. But I mean, they really need to bring in the right guy. And um, I hope that they don't rush it. At the same time, we need somebody, but they really do need to bring in the best face. And I think that's Mike Zarin. And it's going to be interested. This interesting to see. Um, how much friction he gets from Danny Ainge because I know he does not want to lose Mike Zarin, who's a massive piece of that team. But at the same time, I think the moves have been made by Boston to be where they're at right now. Good stuff. Brian Jacobs, give him a follow on Twitter. Thanks, Brian. You got it, man. No problem. Appreciate it. There he is, Brian Jacobs. Uh, yeah, good stuff there. Mike Zarin and Sixers. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to the Sixers. Like, I, I can have this conversation about the Sixers forever. Um, and there are so many different waves and angles and branches to talk about. Like when you talk about this off season, there's just players all over the place. And like, you have the Reddick situation, you have the draft pick situation, not to mention they have five second round picks. Um, you have the Jonah Bolden situation. No one's talking about Jonah Bolden, Furkan Korkmaz and, and TLC and guys like that. And what do they do with Rashawn Holmes? And I mean, there's just so many, so much to talk about with the Sixers team. I, to me, they're the most interesting team in the city, and it's not really that close. 888-729-9494. I have a Barstool Celtics writer coming up at 1220. Caesar's switching out Moshe at midnight behind the glass. Uh, John Johnson's coming up at 2. Good stuff going on. I mean, this Sixers thing is going to carry us for a while. This is fun. The summer of LeBron is underway, so let's talk about it. Andrew Porter Show, WIP Sports Times, 1136. Eleven forty-two. Andrew Porter show. Hanging out on WIP. Uh, good news is Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz, Jeffrey Lurie, and the Lombardi Trophy, and Doug Peterson were just on stage at a concert. Bad news is it was a Kenny Chesney concert. The Eagles don't do well with those. But did Um. But, yeah, those guys were up on stage. They brought the Lombardi Trophy up. We tweeted some pics. Uh, Cindy Webster tweeted a pic of it. I retweeted it at A-N-D underscore Porter and at Sports Radio 94 WIP, or at Sports Radio WIP, excuse me. By the way, give us a follow at Sports Radio WIP. Follow us at 94WIP.com. Check out that new site. 
It's a really nice site. Uh, I plugged it earlier. A lot of stuff to talk about. 888-729-9494. I've been talking a ton about the Sixers. Um, there, there's more that I just haven't got in, gotten into. Uh, I will get into more. 1220, Dan Greenberg, Barstool writer, Celtics writer, is supposed to join us at 1220. Talk a little bit between the Sixers-Celtics rivalry where I've, I've talked about. I don't think the Celtics are in a better spot than the Sixers. I know everyone's saying that and and. That's the narrative, but I just disagree. I think I'd rather be the Sixers. I think they're in a better spot for the future, for the long-term situation. I think the Sixers are in a great spot. 888-729-9494. I do want to touch on the Phillies real quick. Look, um, the Phillies thing, and I haven't talked much about the Phillies all night, and let's be honest. like, It's like I'm not watching it. So many Phillies games. Like, how many Phillies games do we watch anymore? I, I think the world has changed where it's just harder to watch baseball. It's just a slower sport, and it's just not the same as it used to be. I think that, like, we can be honest with ourselves, and we can say that. Uh, I, I grew up loving baseball. I still love the sport. I just don't watch Phillies games like that anymore. I follow the team, of course. I, I do this for a living. And the Phillies are 32-30 and 30 through 62 games. Like, that is that is the point-blank, definitive, concrete factual statement how to quantify this is they're 32 and 30 through 62 games it's not bad like that's exactly what we expected so like when the Phillies the problem is is when the Phillies go on a run and they start the season like you know they get hot early on we start talking about 90 wins in the playoffs and 92 wins that's not my fault that you guys do that I never talked about 92 wins I never talked about the winning the although one the division like, I never said that, but fans and, and media starts talking. We jump to conclusions. It's 162 games in a baseball season, 162. So teams can get hot and teams can get cold, and it just doesn't matter. Water will find its level. If any sport, it will find its level in baseball. And the Phillies are not a great team. They're not a horrible team. They're better than last year. They're growing. They're young. There's a lot of positives to be taken from the first 62 games. But right now they're struggling. They're facing really good competition. But the world, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not, it's not this, the team doesn't suck. They're not horrible. The manager isn't terrible. It's not, we don't have to go to each end of the spectrum here. We don't, the, the extremes are crazy. Let's just somewhere in the middle. Deep breath. Scott, you're on WIP. What's up, Scott? What's going on, bro? What's up, man? Nothing. I uh, just checking in from uh, Vegas and catching your show. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't realize <coughs> it didn't. Uh, it says Las Vegas I, on there. I thought I was Scott in Vegas would have <laughs> tri- triggered it. But. I, 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 this is this is crazy. What's up? Wait. So this is Scott Cret, my podcast partner. My old. He does a lot of Pulse of Philly stuff with me. He's in Vegas now doing some World Series of Poker stuff. Did you play yet? Yeah, I played today. It didn't go super well. I just busted like an hour ago with a flush against the river boat. It was pretty sick, but, you know, I'm here oh. for a few days, so we're, we're back at it tomorrow. Are you playing another tournament tomorrow? Yeah, day two of the same event, or day one B. Gotcha, so you can, but, you're basically rebuying. Yeah, it's cool down here, man. I wish you were here. Where are you staying? Uh, the Rio. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, need, yeah. I, I am jealous. I'm je- I'm on I'm on the air in Philadelphia talking about the Sixers and the Phillies. Well, you're, apparently, you're, you're doing a great job. I don't know why you're talking about the Phillies. But... I, I I'm not. I just it was like a ten minute rant I had to give because like 
People, I don't know. People get mad about the Phillies. I mean, come on. There's what a seventy-seven and a half was the over/under. They're thirty-two and thirty. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. People just like to react and stuff. But anyway, um, I'm doing a lot on the Sixers. Obviously, there's so much to talk about with the Sixers. So I, I guess I want to get your take on, like, obviously I'm um I'm high on the Sixers, and I'm talking about like there's this narrative where the Celtics are better, the Celtics are in a better spot. The Celtics just beat us. Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. Uh, I'm not scared of the Celtics. I think the Sixers are in a better spot. I don't know. What's your take on this? Yeah, I think it's close. I mean, I am scared of the Celtics. I heard one caller, like, saying Kyrie is not a transcendent player or Hayward. Like, Kyrie's pretty damn good. Um, I don't think it's like a they're so much better thing. I just think that they're shaped up to be our rivals, and we're, like, both in great position. I don't think we need to dissect, like, who's, you know, better or worse. Like, both teams are in great spots. And I do, but that doesn't really that doesn't really make for a good radio show. But I do agree with you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, either you're way, right. You're right. Like we the can't. Sixers are in such a great spot. They really are. And, they really are. I mean, they have so much going for them. Yeah, and I wanted to get your opinion. I've been doing a little draft research. I don't know if we're planning on Pulse of Philly hanging it up. I'm sure we will at some point. Yeah, but um, I kind of. Uh, have fallen in love with the idea of Miles Bridges at 10. I think he's, like, being really overlooked, and he kind of seems can't miss to me. Guy's, like, a top high school recruit. He's athletic. He's got all the intangibles produced. Um, is in the mold of someone that I think would do really well in the NBA. And um, I think, like, I like Michael Bridges, but I think when it comes to, like, kind of debating those two, I don't know. I just feel like Miles Bridges is being really underlooked and seems almost like surefire to me. Will, will I, you have a take on him? No, I agree. I, I really like Miles Bridges a lot. I just have Michael slightly ahead of him. I guess you can flip it. I need to do a little more research on Miles, to be honest. But um, like I, I kind of fell in love early with Michael just because I like his characteristics as a person. Like I don't, I, I don't know them either of them. But like what I, I've gathered is that. Michael's a guy that wants to learn. He's like a really he's from here. He's from Malvern. He learned from Jay Wright. I mean, Miles learned from Tom Izzo. So I guess it's it's tomato tomato. I I those are my top two for sure though. Yeah, I agree. And well unless Michael Porter fell. Right. Uh, but, you're high on him, right? Yeah, and like the back thing is a real issue. Like that back injury back surgery at nineteen years old does scare me. Like, I don't I don't think that's good. And like if he falls to ten, that's kinda like a big warning sign. So that, that would that scare. That, it's a risky pick for sure. Like bridges or bridges is a much safer pick. And they, and those guys will help contribute right away. I would not be shocked if Michael Porter just busted out completely. I wouldn't either. And then I have one sleeper at 10. I don't know if you've done any research on him, but I really like after, after watching this guy a little more, this shy kid from, from Kentucky, I won't even try to say his last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are talking about him. I, I'm not too high on him, but I haven't done as right. much research as you probably. Yeah, he just seems like pretty explosive um, in that like mold of almost like a little Donovan Mitchell. I know he's going to be like the name that like we have to compare people to for the next few years. Right. Um, got better as the season went on, but I'm sure we're going to get into this more. And then um, what's your 26? take on... Oh, good. No, I was going to say 26. I kind of like the two white kids. Um, well, obviously, DiVincenzo. And I think Grayson Allen's being a little underlooked just because maybe because not to get 
bring race into it, but I think he's like actually very athletic, and it kind of doesn't read that way. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I like Grayson Allen. Research on twenty six, but uh, I think those two guys kind of make sense as like combo guard scorers. That's 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 fair. Um, what's your take on the whole LeBron situation? Like, do you feel like the Sixers have a leg up? Do you think this? Is, like, do you have any read on this LeBron situation? Yeah, I do. I think he's coming. Um, like you in do? all seriousness. Yeah, <laughs> you really said that do. so like somberly. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, my perspective is sort of flipped. Um, yeah, I kind of. I, I, go ahead, because I kind of feel that way what, too. Seeing what he did, like on the court this playoffs was just so impressive and like the way he just like kept fighting and getting better and was clutch um it was almost like hard not to fall for and um that maybe tipped it a little i mean it was always close we've always kind of shared the same opinion um but i've always thought he was coming and uh i do think the vegas odds kind of tell a little bit of a story uh they usually tend to know these things and I've always thought the Rockets never really made sense um, and the Lakers would have to kind of couple it with a couple other things. I've always thought it just sort of made the most sense. If I had to put money on it right now, gun to my head, I would say he's coming. I agree. It just makes, It's the easiest transition of them all for him. Right. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but they'd figure it out. Come on. He's the best player in, in the game. Yeah, I mean, I would I would get on board quickly. I, I, I'm just curious to see where the team could go without him. Like, I, I would... If if they signed if they drafted a Bridges and 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 re-signed Redick and made another move like I still think they're at fifty seven fifty six wins next year. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you that as one of my questions. Like, how many wins can this team get without them, without getting a big three? And I agree. I think it is a fifty seven. Like, yeah, I think your can... article from the beginning of the off season about like the players like improving themselves. Right. I don't think is getting talked about enough. Like this team is so so young and you brought it up with the Curry thing and whatever, like these guys take years, but like this is the first and second year. Like these guys right. on their own are just gonna get so much better. Right. Like this is the worst Ben Simmons will ever see. Like that's right. amazing to me. That's fascinating. This is the worst Joel Embiid will ever be. Like that's so fascinating to me, and like to see him go through an off season with Drew Hanlon and have a full another full summer to like, you know, his first full summer to really work on his game and, and his conditioning, and like if he he's not going to be limited next year right from the get go. If he's playing thirty eight minutes out of the gate, this team is definitely competing for the one seed. I don't really care who who they get. I agree completely, and I mean that's folks. I mean he's just like an ace in the hole almost. Like yeah. Wild card that they're holding that like could pop to a multi-year all-star and it's like he's being written not written off but like taken for granted as like you know fairly but like we don't know what we have but the number one overall pick for a reason yeah like I'd be shocked if he um if he busted out completely all right Scott thanks for the call I appreciate it I got to run yeah of course talk to you soon Scotty Cret uh Andrew Porter show is eleven fifty four. Andrew Porter's show. It's midnight. Caesar Grasmani taking over for most. John Johnson's coming up at two, so I'm here for another two hours. And at twelve twenty, Stooley Greenberg, Dan Greenberg from Barstool, Boston Celtics writer, joins me at twelve twenty. I think he's supposed to call in, but he's a Barstool guy, and it's late, and he could be drinking, and he's young, and I don't know, but we'll see. Um, I'm because I, I started the show talking a lot about the Sixers and Celtics, and I was talking a lot with Caesar just in this break. 
um, like we react in sports to results. That's what we do. I don't, but that's what we do collectively. Um, I mean, results matter, of course, but like there are more to it than just the end result of a basketball game. And if you watch that Sixers series, it was a lot closer than 4-1. And I know anybody can say that, but that's like the reality of sports. It's such a, a bounce of a ball or a missed shot or a missed free throw or a turnover, and everything changes. And if you look at the Sixers roster and their cap space and their coach and their draft picks capital and their star potential, and you look at the Celtics, I would take the Sixers. I would take the Sixers situation over any situation in the NBA other than Golden State. I would take the Sixers, honestly, because I, I really believe in a results-oriented thing. Um, we talk about Doug Peterson's a great coach because he won a Super Bowl, which I think he is a great coach, uh, and, and we were wrong originally. But he isn't a great coach because he won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl because he's a great coach. And Brett Brown is a great coach. He just didn't win a championship yet. He's going to. And he, you know what? He might not. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean he failed or he's not good. Jay Wright was always a great coach. He just, it just took him a little bit to win a few titles. But in 2013, when Jay Wright didn't win a championship yet, he was still Jay Wright and still a great coach. I mean, these guys get better, but it's innate. Brett Brown is a basketball genius. And the way he's transformed this program, he has a three-pillar program, pace, space, and defense. It's all top five in the NBA. Year one, I mean, they doubled their win total. Year one with Embiid and Simmons. It's just an incredible program that he's built and he's put together. So I don't need him to win a championship for me to say he's a great coach. And I know Brad Stevens is a great coach too, but but I don't I don't I don't doubt Brett Brown for a second. And I'm I'm super excited they gave him the extension. I'm excited to see what he does with this president label for a month or whatever. Um, so we'll see. Like the Sixers could have backed in them, backed themselves into a corner here, where they get Brett Brown running the show, and it, it could help them in some weird, strange way. Um, but yeah, like th- this results thing and, and this culture of winning is it's it's our fault. Like the Kevin Durant thing, um, we were talking about this. It's it's our fault. We did this and we created this. You have to win championships and you're not great until you win. And like, like how about this for, for a scenario, right? The Sixers don't get one of the big three. They draft Michael Bridges. Um, they win 55 games next year and they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals in seven games to the Celtics. Is that possible? Yeah. Are we going to freak out? Yes. That would be awesome. I would love that. I would enjoy every second of that. And if they lost in seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals next year to the Celtics, who cares? So what? If they lost in the finals to the Warriors, are we going to complain? Like, it's not all about the process is the fun of it. And and there will be losing along the way. You have to embrace it. I mean, it took the Eagles, what? They, they won the championship in 65, so it took them, 50, what, 56 years to win, a, to win another championship? That's why it was so special because of the struggle and the conflict. And it took, it did take 56 years. Like, the Capitals fans, like, that was amazing to see that uh, to see Ovechkin win that title after 14 years of going through that and hearing the nonsense and the, the haters and he's not a winner and all this stuff. Like one of the greatest athletes of our generation, one of the greatest hockey players ever, and he finally wins a cup and you see it in him. Like you see, he finally gets to say f you to all the people that said he wasn't good enough because he knew he was. He just didn't happen to play with Sidney Crosby. He wasn't on the Penguins or the Blackhawks. He was on the Capitals and they just weren't good enough for his whole career, and finally, they broke out. They had a lot of unluck in the playoffs, and they, they were called chokers. Same with the Nationals, you know. 
a lot of teams that go through that. Losing happens. Like losing's a part of the process. Losing's a part of sports. And it's okay to suffer a loss. As a fan base, it's okay to lose. Like we act like the Sixers, we react when they lose in the Eastern Conference semifinals. It's hard to take a, to a holistic view of the season and say, wow, you know, Embiid didn't even play back to backs till post All Star game. Simmons was first year ever playing point guard. Fultz didn't even play really. He didn't even register. Um, they went from 27 wins to 52. I mean, that's amazing. That's not just good. That's amazing. Their over-under total was 40 and a half. They outperformed that by 12 games, and, and they outplayed Boston in three out of their four losses. They, were, they had 20-point leads. They had 20-point lead in one game, and they had a, a lead with a minute to go in both of the other losses. So, like, to say that they're not even close to the Celtics, is that's wrong. That's incorrect. To say the Celtics are flat out better than them, I just disagree with. I think you can make that case. But it's close. And the point is, if they played another seven-game series, who knows who would win? We don't know. Who would be favorite? Maybe the Celtics would be slight favorites? I don't know, though. The Sixers might be favorite. If they ran that back right now, the Sixers might be favorite. That's how crazy it is. And we, I mean, you look at the odds to win the, the odds to win the 2019 NBA Finals is Golden State, Houston, and then Philly. And I know that's baked into LeBron, but LeBron could go to Boston. I know that's less likely. But it's still, that's part of the point, like, is that we could get LeBron. And even if they don't get LeBron, maybe it would have been Golden State, Houston, Boston, and then Philly. It's a little bit off. But the point is that this is a top-five team in the NBA. Whichever way you want to slice it, it's a top-five team in the NBA with the best young tandem in pro sports, I would argue. I mean, two of the best young players in the league, and the Celtics do not have a player that has a chance to be a top-five NBA player. You can argue Kyrie Irving. I just don't think he's a top-five NBA player. He's a great player. He's probably in the 10 range. I would cap him or, you know, somewhere around there. But you have Embiid and Simmons. Both of them have a chance to be the best player in the sport at some point th- during their career. You know, in five years, we could realistically say that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could be the two best players in the game. I mean, Kevin Durant will still be around at 35 or something like that, and... Who, who knows? But those guys can be both starting in the All-Star game. The Celtics don't have players like that at that level that can transcend the game like that. You know, a 6'10 point guard who became the eighth player in NBA history to average 15, 8, and 8. Not rookie, player in history. I mean, the list is insane. It's Jordan, LeBron, Westbrook, Oscar, Magic, Bird. I mean, the list is the greatest players ever. And Ben just did that. And we're talking about can he shoot? When will he improve his jump shot? How will he get better? Is he good enough? Like, we're asking all the wrong questions. We're saying all the wrong things. We're focusing on the wrong things. This is a great summer for the Sixers. And and this Colangelo thing kind of overshadowed all the good stuff that happened because a lot of good stuff has happened. Brett Brown got a contract extension. Monty Williams they brought in, who was a really under-the-radar acquisition for for the franchise. They acquired the 10th pick, which... Was what they were, you know, projected to get, but that's still a big deal because teams can lose picks and you can get unlucky. They got the tenth pick. That's a, that's a relatively impactful pick where they can add a player that can help them right away. A twenty-one-year-old rookie, like they can, if they draft one of the Bridges, those guys were already. Michael Bridges is older than Ben Simmons and three years older than Markel Fultz. Think about that. Michael Bridges is three years older than Markel Fultz. Fultz is nineteen. Like, that's crazy. 
Fultz is 19 years old. It took Kawhi Leonard four years to average 20 points in, 20 points in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard averaged seven as a rookie, and, and so did Kobe. They have the same average. Fultz, Kobe, and Leonard, same, seven points a game as a rookie. I mean, you can't, the point, I'm not saying that he's going to be Kobe Bryant or Kawhi Leonard, but you can't draw conclusions after one rookie season. There's no way anyone could have foreseen Kobe's career after his rookie year. He started six games. I mean, it's just it's just factual. You can't make, I mean, it took Steph how many years to become an all-star? He was he went through angle problems. I mean, he was just a kid from Davidson who was scoring points for a bad Golden State team. And then all of a sudden it clicked. So you got to give these. That's why it's so impressive what Ben and, and Embiid are doing, and that's why they're so talented and impressive. So all that comes into play when you look at the story of the Sixers and the off season, and this whole narrative that they're not better than Boston. Boston has some tough decisions to make, man. I know that they're getting Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back, but that does not help them defensively. It just doesn't. I know oh, they'll figure it out, and those guys are great players. I know. But but Marcus Smart is a heck of a defender. You cut his minutes. Terry Rozier is a really good defender. Hayward and, and Kyrie don't defend like that. Those guys are, are offensive skill players. Now they have to decide on Smart and Rozier. Do you want to, I mean, you can't, is Terry Rozier going to be your seventh man? Is he going to be happy with sitting on the bench and being your seventh, eighth guy, your backup to Kyrie? I don't know. Maybe they do that for a season. What are, what are they going to do? They, they can't pay all those guys. You have Brown. Tatum and Hayward, they all play the same position. Are you going to start those three guys and play Horford at the, at the five? What are you going to do with Morris? Are you going to bring back Morris, or is he a free agent? You let him go. I mean, they have a ton of decisions to make. The Sixers don't have any, like, per, in terms of their personnel, I mean, they know those guys are good. Those core four, Dario, Fultz, Embiid, and Simmons, hey, we're good. We're good. We want to add to that. We don't want to subtract anything. We want to add. And, like, the, the floor... For the Sixers this summer, the absolute floor is one of the bridges. Jonah Bolden comes over. Fultz gets better because he can't get any worse. Like, right? What if what if Fultz, I don't know, let's say Fultz plays in 73 games next year. And he plays 24 minutes a night and averages 13 points a game. Is that possible? I mean, that's an incredible improvement from last year. Simmons averaged 15, 8, and 8. What if, if, if Simmons gets up to 17 and a half? Nine and nine. I mean, we're talking about the start of the the, the first two greatest seasons in, in, as, as for a point guard in history. If he just averages an extra point and, and one more rebound, I don't even know. I mean, I guess realistically he can regress a little bit just because the season was so good, but I don't see that. He's just a kid that's going to work hard. He's in the gym. His his free throw percentage went up to 70-some percent in the playoffs. I could easily see him shooting 65-plus percent from the foul line next season. Which isn't great, but it's a it's an improvement from fifty five. Um, you see, uh, what's going on there? There's a light flashing. If he if his field goal percentage goes up, so you have you have Simmons gets better, you have Fultz gets better, Embiid will obviously get better. He's going to play more games and more minutes, and conditioning will be better. If, if they add five wins, you're at fifty seven, fifty eight wins. I mean, that's that's to me, and that's the the, the complete. Worst case scenario, like that's the floor of the summer. I don't even know if they, you know, there's other names out there like that people have talked about second second level free agents. There's the Wayne Ellingtons of the world and like those guys, the Avery Bradleys, 
Kemba Walker's name has been thrown around. You can, can you try to trade for a Bradley Beal or an Aaron Gordon who's restricted? Like there are names out there other than the big three that are talented players. Tobias Harris is an unrestricted player next year. So like, you know, there are guys that can help this team. It doesn't have to be LeBron James. If LeBron James doesn't come here, we're going to, when the, what, what, if LeBron James chooses another team, you can just envision the, the reaction in Philadelphia. Like, oh, we, we lost out on them, and it's going to be a sad day, and da 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 I'm just so excited about this team and their future that I don't really care. Like, I'm not going to encapsulate myself with this LeBron James stuff. I, I'm interested in it as a fan of the NBA, but as a fan of the Sixers, I'm fine with wherever LeBron chooses. I don't really care. I'm just excited to see where he chooses because he's changing the landscape of the NBA. And Golden State, while they're very well be favored to win next year, it's going to be much harder. The gap is closing, and the Sixers are coming. Boston is coming. Um, other teams are coming. Minnesota is coming. The Lakers are coming. Teams are getting better. Um, Cleveland will have to retool, but Houston is still there. The, the, the Thunder can, can maybe retool, and you know I don't know what they'll do. But there are other teams in the NBA that are coming, and Golden State isn't going to win forever. They're not going to win the next 10 championships. This doesn't happen. In sports, something's going to happen. They're going to have to pay Clay. Someone's they, they're dealing with injuries all the time. I mean, Durant and, and Steph have been hurt pretty much the past two seasons, on and off. Curry's always dealing with something. They're going to be thirty years old, both of them. Um, who knows? Iguodala's getting older. Livingston's older. I mean, they're, they're going to have to figure. It's not going to get easier for Golden State. Also, they're you've seen it this year. They get complacent. I mean, you saw their celebration. They weren't even like, it was like, eh, yeah, we won again. Like, you can't, it's boring for them. There's no, there's not like that that drive. Like the Sixers in this city, we have like that extra drive, that motivation. Daryl Morey talked about it with Houston. Like, they're obsessed with beating Golden State. But Golden State is like, I mean, they've accomplished so much. They don't feel like playing another regular season. They play a regular season for they were the They were the two seed this year. So like, it's just going to get harder for them. And the NBA is just going to shake up completely this summer. It's going to be wild. And I don't know what Kawhi will do in San Antonio. And there's a lot of players and changing parts that are that's going to happen. And I'm excited for all of it. And I think the Sixers are just in a great spot. I mean, they are. They, they're factually in a great spot. I don't know what they'll do with it. I don't know who their GM will be or Brett Brown, what, will, what he'll do. But they're in a great spot. 888-729-9494. We'll see if we get a call from uh, Barstool Greeny. Coming up at 1220, Barstool's Celtics writer. Um, and we'll get some other stuff going on throughout the night. LeBron James stuff, Sixers, Phillies, if you want to get in on the Phillies. I talked about Ovechkin, some other stuff. I want to talk about the leagues, too. And, and, and more on Markel Fultz, too, because there was a video of Fultz working out with Drew Henlon, and he posted a, a windmill dunk video, and I retweeted it, and everyone went bananas, and it's like, ah, he shouldn't be doing that. And let's we'll talk a little bit of Markel Fultz. 12.15, Andrew Porter, WIP Sports Time is 12.15. Andrew Porter Show, 12.22. We're talking a lot about the Sixers tonight in the NBA. Um, I've, I was talking about the Sixers' future and their outlook compared to the Celtics' future and their outlook. And joining me now from Barstool Sports is Dan Greenberg, Celtics writer for Barstool. What's up, Dan? Thanks for doing this. Oh, anytime. How's it going? Appreciate it. I want to get your take from a Boston guy on the Celtics and, and how you see them and, and the way they look going forward and what your take is on, on their franchise right now compared to the Sixers. 
Um, well, I think like the Sixers, we still don't know. I mean, a lot can change from now until next October. I mean, for the Celtics, we have to factor in what they're going to do with Marcus Smart and his restricted free agency. They have guys like Baines that are also hitting the open market. Um, whether or not they're going to keep or move Morris's salary now with Hayward and Kyrie coming back. Um, so there's a lot of things to consider, but, you know, I'd be lying if I said as a Celtic fan I wasn't extremely excited no matter what the outcome is going to be because, you know, as you guys just saw, we had a pretty entertaining, you know, 2018 season and we're about to add two all-star level talent players. So, I mean, from a Boston perspective, things are great. Philly, you guys, you're, you're looking at LeBron. You're hoping he can come and save you. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out. But you guys have, you know, a lot of good young talent as well. And I imagine we're going to be seeing each other a lot, you know, next April or May. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, do you guys feel like if the Sixers don't get LeBron, then you guys have the upper hand to come out of the East next year? Uh, I think so, barring health. I think that's a big thing for us think both of our teams. Right. But I think if you looked at how this first, you know, this last second round went, uh, you'd have to think that with the addition of Hayward and, and Kyrie, um, that you guys, that the Celtics would be able to, to match up in even tougher ways for Philly. You got to think by next this time next year, you're going to have a, a decent to pretty good player in Fultz actually playing. So that's going to change the dynamic of the series. Um, but it all just depends. I mean, are you guys going to bring back Redick? I think you know you have a lot of things that have to happen for you to to go through that rebuild that the Celtics have gone through and I think that's just the biggest thing is is we have two teams that have young talent but they're sort of not on the same timeline in their rebuilds but that certainly doesn't mean that both teams aren't you know loaded with young talent I have a lot of friends and family in Boston and tell me if this is correct I think that like for overall Boston kind of hates LeBron because you've got you, you had to play him so much like he's become a villain in LeBron um, the villain for you guys in Boston. But for us, we haven't played LeBron in the playoffs, so he's kind of like this this guy that we're kind of like, eh, we like LeBron. Um, what's Boston's take on LeBron? I mean, we've really come full circle. I've, and, you know, if you remember back to early LeBron, the, the KG, the Pierce Big Three, they had his number. He couldn't get past that hurdle. And then 2012 happened. He got past them, and ever since then it's just been – complete domination but for me when I when I think of how the Celtics and their relationship with LeBron you know the last two times they've played him in the playoffs they really had no business you know even really being there right I mean when it was Isaiah's first year they were you know 12 13 games under 500 by the trade deadline he came over they went on a huge second half run and made the playoffs is either a game above or a game under 500 right. and then promptly swept by the Cavs with Kyrie and, and Love and, and LeBron. I mean, obviously that was what we had all expected. We were just happy to be in that sort of situation. The next year, we are, you know, we have Horford. We're, we're looking to make an Eastern Conference Finals. They do that, but Isaiah is hurt. He's not that same all-NBA level player that we had to get to that point. So, of course, we get absolutely annihilated. So those two series, you know, it wasn't as, as gut-wrenching. This one was a little bit different because we had the talent to beat them. They had the 2-0 lead. They had the 3-2 lead at home. They had the fourth quarter lead at home. They kind of choked it away. So of the last three or four times that the Celtics have played LeBron, this was the first time in a long time that it was like, 
all right, this is our moment to get past them, and then he just went ridiculous. Do you expect Boston to be, or, or is the overarching feeling that Boston's going to be relatively quiet this summer in terms of free agency and stuff like that? I mean, I, I saw Bleacher Report had a Kyrie to the Knicks report, and there's like other stuff floating around. Um, there's an Anthony Davis, that trade rumor is always popping up every now and then. Um, do you expect Boston to be quiet in free agency or, or try to make a move? I mean, I, I think my hope is that they're relatively quiet just because I want to see what this group actually looks like as it was originally intended. Right. But I think every Celtic fan will tell you we're at the point now where whatever Ainge wants to do, we're good. He's, he's always going to be looking to make the team better. I think that's what you would want every GM to do. If he has the right opportunity for something drastic, I think he's not afraid to do it. But I don't think he has to do it to get to where he wants to go. I think he's already done that work. Now he just has to let the people actually play, build that chemistry, and you know maybe in a year or two you say, okay, what needs to be added or tweaked? But right now we have no idea what this team – this team has only played five minutes together as it was intentionally constructed. So I hope he stands pat, but, again, it comes down to market smart. It comes down to does he move Rozier a year early with the Sacramento pick. Um, there's a bunch of stuff he can do, but I'm hoping everybody, at least for the most part, comes back. We're talking with Dan Greenberg, Barstool Sports. Um... Lastly, Mike Zarin, and I talked about him a lot because, and I saw you, you wrote a blog about him actually, but um, <laughs> there's like, I, I don't know much about him except for he interviewed for the Sixers in 13. He's a smart guy. I know he worked under Daryl Morey a little bit. He's, he's a cap guy. Um, he's a guy that I'm definitely interested in. He's a Celtics fan and he's a Massachusetts, you know, lifer. What's like, does he have a chance to be, he's kind of stuck in Boston as the assistant, right? Like Ainge isn't going anywhere. So like, what's your take on this whole Mike Zarin situation? I mean, he's a prodigy. That's all I can say. Okay. Mike Zarin is a, is a basketball executive prodigy, whether nice. it's the advanced analytics, whether it's the salary cap and, and all the financial stuff. He is he's a legend. So for, for me as a Celtic fan, my hope is, considering he's from Swan Scott, considering he's been here for a long time, you know, he is as much as a GM as Ainge is, I feel like. And, and obviously I have no idea what the inner workings are, but the perception is, you know, there isn't a decision that the Celtics make without Mike Zarin being heavily involved. So, you know, seeing as how well they did this rebuild over the course of the last three or four years, I want everybody to stay together and keep it going until we actually raise the banner. But um, obviously he should have interest. He's one of these, you know, hot young names and, and, you know, teams that are rebuilding are looking at us thinking the same thing. So if the Sixers were to get them, I would hate it because it would probably make them really good. Um, but from a Celtic standpoint, my, my hope is he, he's earned him down again like he did back in 2013 because he's just too good to let go. All right, Dan, I appreciate it. As a stoolie, I had to get a little barstool flavor on the show, so I appreciate it. Oh, anytime. And, and, and listen, I, I have my relationship with the Sixers fans. It was a fun year. I just hope next year we can actually have you know a competitive series and make it worth it. <laughs> All right, Dan, appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. 888-729-9494. He had to get that jab in there, uh, make it a competitive series, but it's okay. We'll be back. They got so many years of this. That's the fun. Like, Sixers Celtics is going to happen for so long. That's that's really fun. But the stuff he talked about Mike Zarin is interesting, and that's kind of w- what spurred me to, to reach out to him because I saw his blog about Zarin, and they're, they're really – Celtics fans don't want to lose this guy. I don't know what he does exactly for the organization, like Dan was saying, but – He's a smart dude. He's a smart dude, and he's, he's a really good basketball mind. He worked for Daryl Morey. He worked with Hinky. Hinky's tweeted about him and endorsed him on, his, on Hinky's timeline. He's endorsed Mike Zarin. 
who they, they the Ringer wrote about a, a piece about the Celtics front office, and it mostly talked about Ainge and and Hinky quoted the tweet and said, you know, like something like, "Don't forget about Mike Zarin. This guy's a genius," or something like that. I, I really like this guy for the Sixers in terms of what he would bring. I, look, I don't know what they're gonna do, but um, it's just a name to keep an eye on. I know everyone wants David Griffin, but Mike Zarin would be an awesome, awesome hire. 888-729-9494. If you want to get in, talk Sixers. I did want to talk a little bit about the Markel Fultz thing as well because this is what happened a couple of days ago. Fultz is, uh, Fultz is out in L.A. Apparently with Embiid and Simmons, they're all working with Drew Hanlon, who's a really respected NBA trainer. He does like private workouts. So Fultz is out there, and Fultz posted five videos on his Instagram where he's just taking off from the foul line, doing a windmill dunk, like incredible dunks. His athleticism is just off the charts. So I retweeted saying, if you're going to doubt this kid who's 20, you're, it's bad business. And I knew it was going to get a lot of reaction, and people went nuts. Um, they were like, well, let me see him shoot. Can he shoot? Is he going to shoot? Let me see a video of him shooting. First of all, Drew Hanlon commented on the video and said, I'm actually more impressed with your jump shot, which is something to note. Drew Hanlon's been talking about his, his jump shot looks a lot better. I don't know if it does. He's not going to post videos of his jump shot, obviously, because he's working on it and he's not comfortable with it, but he is comfortable with his athleticism. And a lot of the comments were, I've seen this guy in high school gyms do this. 80% of the NBA can do this. Really? 80% of the NBA can do a windmill from one step in the foul line? Not true. There's about three players in the finals that could do that. I mean, who on the Sixers can do that? Simmons and maybe Justin Anderson? His athleticism is off the charts, and if, you're, if you don't have elite athleticism, you can't be great in the NBA. That's like a prerequisite for a guard to be great. Fultz has that, and that's exciting. Like That athleticism is exciting to see, and I don't care about his jump shot necessarily. That's not going to make me not watch the videos or not get excited about his, his videos. It's, it's pretty encouraging. Just saying that stuff. Like, his athleticism is insane. And he has a lot of great tools. Now, he has to fix his jump shot, obviously. And that's that was what happened to him. He, he got mentally disturbed, and he lost it. He didn't know how to shoot. I don't know. Whatever happened. And he's got to fix that part of his game. But in terms of everything else, man, he has a lot of ability. And it's exciting to see. That's all I'm saying. I'm not giving up on this kid at all. Like, I'm buying all the stock I can in Markel Fultz right now. It's so low, you can get it for cheap, so I'm getting it. Al and Trenton, you're on WIP. What's up, Al? You know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. There's a couple things. One, for the Sixers to get to the finals, I don't think they have the player to get them there right now. In other words, I don't think Simmons, if Simmons or Embiid is your best player, I don't think that's enough to get you to the finals. I think you need a player better than those two. Right now, but what about in like three years? You know, I think you might be right right now. Right, and 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 and, and Embiid, Embiid scares me because I've seen guys like him who have his body, his size. He, to me, he's always a stress fracture away from another year out. You know what I mean? He's got that kind of injury about him that I'm just always worried about every time he falls or slips or goes down. Yeah, and like I don't I don't disagree with you, but just to play devil's advocate for a second, like he had 
back-to-back surgeries because his he messed up his foot in college and then like it didn't heal properly so he so he missed two years which kind of gave him that injury prone label but since then he had that weird meniscus thing in his knee that was kind of like minor he recovered from that last year he had like a facial thing but other than that he played every game so like i don't know that he's any less injury prone than Kyrie Irving or anything like that. I mean, obviously the seven-two frame is fragile and that is worrisome. I do agree with you there. But I, I look. I see Greg Oden. I just keep. I yeah, know, that's. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. As far as Fultz is concerned, here's what scares me about Fultz. Mm-hmm. Forget his athleticism and all. All that could be a given. Right. Does Fultz have the it? And you know what I mean by that. Does he have the the guts? the toughness, the intestinal fortitude of that kind of a player. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that intangible. I that do. See, I that think that's fair. That guy that doesn't get shaped. You know, I've seen a lot yeah. of guys who can jump from the foul line and dunk. And no, you're right. You're right. Minor and guys like, you know, I could go but back. Al, but Al, I would, I would caution you to think like, um, that's true. All that's true. And he's definitely immature and he needs to work on that. His character, his drive, all his motivation, his work ethic, all that stuff. But he's 19 and like, he can grow as a person too, and and when he's twenty five, he's going to be a lot different than when he's nineteen. And like that doesn't happen overnight. It takes it takes time sometimes for players. Like Nelson Aguilar went through this, and it's just athletes change. You know, like he has a long career ahead of him, so it, he's not a he's not a complete product by any means right now. I'm just looking oh, at him as a, as like a baby deer. You know, he's he has all the tangibles to be a great player. I just don't know if he'll get there. That's why I'm cautiously optimistic and I'm looking forward to it. I just think yep. that I'm, just, I'm playing, like you said, I'm playing a little bit devil's advocate here that we're going on a lot of what ifs, not what are. Like if you look at the Celtics, we know what Kyrie Irving is. We know what Hayward is. We know what Smart and Rozier are. We know what Tatum is now. You're right. You know, we, That's fair. You know, That's fair. You know, we, we see that. What we're looking at here with our Sixers is what can be. And it's a lot of with, – with Simmons and Bede and Fultz, there's a lot of can be's, but not a lot of definite. I think Embiid's the most definite of three. But the other two, there's a lot of what-ifs that we got to worry about. And I think – and, and, and what, there's not that veteran there that I don't – that I like like um, Horford is on the Celtics team. Like we need one guy who can anchor them who's been there who can, you know – give them that that kind of guidance to guide those young pups and that we need that guy all right al thanks for the call it's a good call um i i think i think simmons is pretty i think you can say simmons is is a rock like simmons is going to keep getting better fultz is an unknown i think that's fair i can't tell you that i'm 100 percent sure fultz will be great I, i'm just confident in these guys and in their abilities but you know i don't know simmons and Embiid. i think other than if they're, if they're healthy they'll be fine i mean they'll be great i, I don't think that that's that's an outlandish statement or even a contrarian statement at all. 888-729-9494. It's 12:37. It's the Andrew Porter show. 12:41 Andrew Porter show hanging out here 888-729-9494. You can tweet me at AND underscore Porter. AND underscore Porter. P-O-R-T-E-R. Hit me on Twitter. We're hanging out talking Sixers, talking everything. Um, Real quick, I started a podcast this week, um, and I know everyone has a podcast. This is different. This is a little bit different. It's called Wired This Way with Andrew Porter. So if you search iTunes, you search Wired This Way with Andrew Porter. Please subscribe to this podcast. And what I'm going to be doing on this podcast is interviewing people in sports, predominantly Philly sports. Maybe it can reach national. Like 
I can get some national people at some point, but it's Philly sports personalities, whether it be athletes, people in the media, broadcasters, and I'm going to interview them about their life, you know, how they're wired. I want to know how they grew up, their childhood, um, about high school, college, reflecting on their careers. There's not going to be sports takes in here. Trust me. You're not going to get any of my stupid opinions. You know, none of, none of this stuff, but you're going to learn a lot about people in sports and how, and their path to success, because I think it's really interesting. And why I was prone to do this was because, and I started here at WIP after I graduated from Penn state in 2012, summer of 2012. So six years ago, it was June 25th, 2012. So basically six years ago today, um, I started here and like the more I worked here, I never really listened to the morning show that much because I didn't really like it. I didn't really understand it. Um, and I would hear people say like, they would ask me all the time about Angelo and Howard and these big personalities. And they would, they would always say, some people would say they love them. And some people would say they hate them. Like An- Angelo, for example, because that's, that's the first episode is Angelo Cataldi. And people would say, oh, I hate Angelo Cataldi. And I would be like, you don't really know Angelo Cataldi. Like, once you get to know these guys, you realize that they're human beings. And, like, Stephen A. Smith and, and Skip Bayless and, you know, these guys may be annoying on the air, but they're, they're either A, doing a show, or it's, they're just telling you their sports opinion. But that doesn't reflect who they are as people. So, like, maybe I come off as this arrogant young kid on the radio. What do I know, you know? But you don't know. These people have lives. They have kids. They have families. You know, they're, they're like Angelo is the most brass, ridiculous, over the top. He doesn't analyze anything. He just makes these ridiculous claims all the time. I get that. But as a person, he's actually extremely calculated his whole life. He's had, the, he's made rational decision after decision. He's made a calculated decision. He um, went to Columbia for grad school for a year, did a program at Columbia. He's really smart and intelligent. And he's like very thoughtful and meaningful decisions when it comes to sports He's rather the opposite, but that's because along the way, someone, his advisor told him he was covering news and the, and the advisor told him, if you want to do sports, you have to hold people's feet to the fire, just like you're doing in news. And he promised his advisor, uh, he would do that in sports and he would always hold people's people accountable. And he said, he never let that go his entire life. Like that's just been his brand and that's the way he's going to do it that's all he knows and like it makes sense like everybody comes from a certain point and like you know Howard's a little bit you know he'll get in your grill and he'll argue with you but you know he has a lot of kids who are successful he's been through a lot he's worked in pretty you know he's done everything um so there's just and I've I've, I've interviewed Angelo was the first one who that's that's every Monday I'm going to release a new one so far I've interviewed I've only released Angelo episode one um, and I, I'm going to release Howard on Monday. I did uh, Ray Dininger, who obviously you can imagine. I mean, I talked to Ray for 45 minutes about his life and like the stories Ray has. And I mean, you can imagine Ray Dininger is just an incredible. And like, I don't think that he's like he's right every time when it comes to football. Like people, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't worship Ray Dininger in terms of his football opinions, but I, I do respect and worship him as a man in the industry. Like. He's an incredibly like successful. What a story! He, he has he has so many stories to share, and it's a great episode. That's episode three. Um, the fourth one I did was Chris Wheeler, and I went to Chris Wheeler's house, and he conduct he let me come over, and we we chatted for like an hour. He's a Penn State guy, and I mean Wheels has been through the ringer, man. I mean fans have been on him 
he, he had a tough up and down stretch with this fan base. And I, I'm like fascinated by his relationship with the fan base because it's now starting to come full circle where people are like, man, we miss wheels. And like, he's an endearing figure and he really was so smart and he didn't have any connection to pro baseball. And he really worked his way into that role. It's just, a, it's an amazing story. And Merrill Reese, I did was the fifth one, obviously. And Merrill's an, Icon- I mean, Harry. for me, it was Harry Callison and Merrill Reese, the two iconic voices that I grew up listening to. And Merrill's story is also amazing. And, and there's a reason why he was so good at show business and entertainment because his mother was involved in show business and entertainment. And when he grew up, he was thrust into, like, he always had a microphone in front of his face. And, like, you know, Merrill gave tennis lessons, and he was a basketball player. And people don't know, like, there's just a lot of stuff about these guys that are really interesting. So... Here's a little bit of a preview from my episode with Angela. For all these years, um, just saying, you know what, I got a really cool job. I got to be happy that somebody gave me the chance to do this. I made a lot of money doing it. I, I lived a good life doing it. And enough people listened to me and liked what we were doing to keep me around for the better part of 30 years. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think – I can't give anybody great advice on it except – yeah, I mean, you know what? It starts with the love you have for what you're doing. If if you can love what you're doing and get somebody to pay you to do it, you've got it made. That's the key thing. Love what you do and get somebody to write you a check every couple of weeks and say, "Here, now you can live and do this." Because the, the all the years that I've done this at WIP, getting up at three o'clock in the morning, I can tell you. It's never felt like a job the way some of the earlier things I had to do did. This has never felt like a burden. It's never felt like work. And that's the key. If you can do that, you'll also do better because you love it. Wired This Way with Andrew Porter. Subscribe, rate it on iTunes. You can listen to that whole episode. It's up now. Um, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, too, I'm looking for sponsors. So please reach out to me. Tweet me. Uh, it's it's. I think it has a chance to gain some traction here in Philadelphia because it is interesting. And Angelo talked for fifty some minutes, and like Angelo is a smart dude, and he's like he was the perfect interview. Like Howard Howard's episode is kind of all over the place. Like you ask Howard a question, he talks about whatever he wants. Angelo is so succinct; he knows exactly what he's gonna what he's what he should say. He has the perfect story. He articulates it beautifully. Like he's just a really smart guy. He was a writer for so long. He was a Pulitzer Prize winning writer, and he talked about when he used to cover the Celtics and he told a story about when he covered Boston, he covered the Celtics when he lived in Providence and he was covering the Celtics and Larry Bird, when Larry Bird came out of Indiana state right before he, he said, I'm like, this is my last contract as a rookie. He said like, I'm not going to sign another contract. And like Angelo wrote the story and Bird was just messing with him. Like it was, he was pranking basically Larry Bird pranked Angelo and Angelo tells the story in the episode. It's, it's some really good stuff. And I think you guys will enjoy it. If you're, if you're interested in these personalities, if you want to learn a little bit about how these people got into sports and how they've made a living, you know, talking about sports and, and I mean, not just, and not just media. I hope to sit down with some Sixers players and some Eagles players at some point. This, I hope this podcast can gain some traction. I'm going to do Ike Reese and Hollis Thomas and Trey Thomas and John Ritchie. So I'll get some former Eagles in there. Of course, um, if you have any suggestions or people you want to do, I would love to do like a Jay Wright or something, obviously. But um, it's called Wired This Way. 
with Andrew Porter. You can go to 94wip.com slash wired this way, and you can talk about, um, you can see it there as well. So 94wip.com under podcasts or search wired this way on your Apple podcast app. Scott and Doylestown's on WIP. What's up, Scott? Hey, not too much, man. I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm recovering from a stroke. So I'm like, I'm finally getting back to work. So it's like, I'm so tired of being in, in, in the house. Wow. Sorry and, to hear that. Hope you're feeling uh, better. It's, it's, I had great doctors and Good. I'm driving now. So it's all great. But the thing that I don't understand Sixers fans, did they watch the playoffs? Did they watch what, what the, um, Golden State Warriors did to LeBron James? Yeah. They just shut him down. And yeah. it's like they didn't really shut. Would it be smarter? Because you know, once you get LeBron James in here, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have guys that you like, like to coach. He's going to be gone. LeBron wants his own coach, you know, and and you know he's going to get, he's going to make up the the, the roster the way he wants it. And when you have a guy named Kawhi Leonard who's sitting out there, who who's I think just as good as a long-term investment than, than LeBron James. No, thanks for the call, Scott. You make interesting points. Um, Kawhi, in terms of a long-term investment, I don't think LeBron's their best option. I think Kawhi and Paul George would be better options. I don't think Paul George will come here. I think he's pretty much a Laker. That seems pretty evident. Um, and Kawhi's not a free agent. So, you can't just get Kawhi Leonard. You'd have to trade a, a large package of players. It's probably something like Sarge Covington and the 10th pick, maybe even Fultz too. So I, I don't know what that package is or if that would even work, but you can't just get Kawhi Leonard. Um, in terms of LeBron getting rid of the coach, he, he's not going to get rid of Brett Brown. He would come here because of Brett Brown. Brett Brown has a three-year extension, and LeBron respects the Spurs and, and Greg Popovich as much as anybody. He's talked about that publicly. So I'm sure LeBron would have a tremendous respect from Brett Brown. Brett Brown is well-respected around the NBA. It's, that's been reported. J.J. Redick talked about that. Brett Brown was pretty much the reason why he came here. Redick talked to a lot of players. Redick's very close with Chris Paul, who's very close with LeBron James. Players talk. LeBron is basically what's standing between LeBron and J.J. Redick is Chris Paul. That's the connection there. LeBron can easily reach out to and Ben, ben Simmons. I mean, Ben and I mean, Brett Brown coached Ben's dad in Australia, and LeBron and Ben know each other well. They're in the same agency. So, look, Brett Brown would come here because of Brett Brown. He wouldn't get rid of Brett Brown. But I do think there is something to be said about the roster being expendable and possibly deteriorating when LeBron... Like, if LeBron comes here for two years, you have a two-year window to win a championship, and I don't know that they're ready yet, even with LeBron, to beat Golden State in the next two years. And then after that, you can be looking at a 37-year-old LeBron who leaves again, and then you're kind of stuck with a team that you don't really know. I mean, maybe Sarich is now off the roster because you tried to go for it with LeBron for two years. So it is a risk, and I don't know that it's 100% the risk you want to take. But I don't think LeBron – look, I don't think LeBron is going to – destroy the roster as much as people make it out to be. LeBron made a lot of changes in Cleveland, but that was because Kyrie Irving left and they were kind of screwed. But make no mistake about it, if Kyrie Irving stayed, which he should have, I think, I still think he should have stayed in Cleveland, and they had Kyrie, LeBron, and Love, 
I'm not saying they would have beat the Warriors, but they would have been a lot better team. And, and maybe they're going forward, they could retool and they, they have the eighth pick this year and they can add another piece to that. You know, that would be their, that would have been LeBron's best long-term chance to, to compete with Golden State. But once Kyrie left, he was kind of screwed. He tried, he tried it with Isaiah Thomas. I don't know, like, who's making the decisions. We don't know. We just assume LeBron's, like, doing everything. But in Philly, he's not. Look, they have Embiid and Simmons, and that's Embiid, Simmons, and LeBron. I don't, other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't think LeBron's coming in here and making sweeping changes at 34 years old. Like, it, it's, it's a different point in his career. So I, I think that's a little bit over, oversold, the whole LeBron GM's going to ruin the, the roster thing. The money thing is real, though. The Sixers only have $25 million in cap space. LeBron would eat all of that up. And in two years, you do have to pay Sarge. You do have to pay Simmons. Simmons will get a max deal. Sarge, I mean, Covington makes 463, so Sarge will make more than that. Sarge is going to make at least, you know, Clay, Clay-ish money, $15 million a year. Clay makes 17. So Sarge is, I mean, if Sarge makes an all-star team next year, which I think is possible, he's going to be at least $15 million a year. It's almost the max. You have Covington on the books. He'll, he'll be, his contract will be up in three years. But I'm just, I'm just saying you're going to have to start paying more guys and then Fultz in four years or, th- or three, three years from now, which who knows what he'll be. And I know I'm looking down the line a little bit, but it's not like you can just bring on as many great players as possible. Golden State did it because of they, they got lucky. And LeBron talked about this. Um, I think we have this. this cut. We'll play, play it on, on the other side. LeBron, it's, LeBron talks about how Golden State was able to do it because – you know, Steph had ankle problems. He, he got him on a cheaper contract. And then they drafted Draymond Green in the second round. I mean, really the key in the NBA is if you can hit on some late draft picks. Sixers have really been bad at, at second round picks. And Colangelo is just, I mean, some of those guys that went in the second round last year, I know it's always hindsight's twenty twenty, but like, you know, Kyle Kuzma or Josh Hart, you know, those guys would have been nice pickups in, in the second round. You know, the Spurs got Manu Ginobili in the second round. That changed the complexity of their franchise. Draymond Green changed the Golden State Warriors because they added a second-round pick, which is so cheap. Robert Covington is a good example for the Sixers. He's not as good as Draymond Green, but, you know, he gave them that flexibility where they were able to have him on such a cheap deal for four years, and then they signed him to a mid-level deal, and they thought they got good value. That might be an overpay, but they thought at the time it was a, it was a pretty good contract. So, like, a second, if you hit on a second-round All-Star, I mean, that's really hard to do, but that's, that really changes things. That, that's an incredible boost to your franchise. 888-729-9494. Andrew Porter got one hour left, and it's John Johnson. Now, on the other side, I'll play the LeBron cut where he talks about Golden State. Really interesting cut. It's about two minutes long. I'll play the whole thing, and it's really, really interesting, really smart, really intelligent. Andrew Porter Show, WIP Sports Times, 1257. Andrew Porter Show, 102, hanging out. John Johnson coming up at 2 o'clock. Um, I said I would play this LeBron audio. I just want to talk about how the NBA has, over the last five years maybe, just done such a good job. I don't know if it's all Adam Silver or if it's LeBron James. I really think it's, it has a lot to do with LeBron because I, I do think he is the most impactful athlete of my lifetime and arguably because of the way the world we live in today, social media, um, business, commerce, just the way the world is, I I could argue he's the most impactful athlete, you know, of the, I don't even, I don't know, I don't want to overstate this, I don't want to be a hyperbole, but like, of the decade, of the century, I don't know, I don't know where it ends with LeBron, because 
you know, he does get into political stuff and he does get into social activism and he is a stand-up citizen and he is a great father and a, and a husband. And like, he does have a perfectly clean record and all that stuff is so amazing. That's so like encapsulating. And then when you combine what he does on the floor and you can say like, man, he averaged it. He, he, he had a 50 point game and then a triple double in the NBA finals. Like, yeah, 50, that 50-point 50 performance in Game 1 might have been the greatest performance I've ever seen in, in a basketball game. I mean, it's just so efficient. A 51-point efficient triple, like, not we didn't have a triple-double that night, but 51-8-8. Eight and eight, I mean, it was just such an incredible performance. Eight straight finals. Like, Bill Russell did that, but he, <laughs> there were six teams in the league. And you look at, like, how does he do it every year? He never gets hurt. He never, you know, he doesn't really, sometimes he'll make a, a, a backhanded comment or something like that, but he's he's really smart and intelligent in the media. He knows how to answer questions. Um, everybody likes him. His teammates talk highly about him. Coaches talk highly about him. Opponent, I mean, listen to the way Steve Kerr and Brad Stevens talk about him. It's just, it's so impressive to me. And it's just undeniable how great of a career he's put together, you know, Everything's been on his shoulders, but the the point being that the NFL to me has become the best pro sport in America, and I, I think that may be a hot take, and that that's a bold statement. But the most entertaining and, and my favorite sport, pro sport in America, or sport is is the NBA. Um, I think college football has, has become better than college basketball, or is starting to. College basketball has had some problems, and I really I, in Philly we don't talk about college football, but college football is a really great sport, and the and the bowl. And the BCS stuff has really helped them, and they've overtaken college basketball. It, that kind of flip-flopped in the, I would say, in the last decade. Um, and it's really, college football is amazing. And you can even say college football is right neck and neck with the NFL. I'm not talking about, like, popularity or ratings or money-wise. I'm just talking about sheer entertainment. But the NBA, man, I mean, the only, NFL and the NBA are 12-month-a-year sports. The NFL has so many players, and it's really hard to keep up with all of the changes and like all everything that goes on in the NFL, the defensive players and like, you know, Mike Wallace has been on six teams. Like who cares? Like, I, I don't know. There's so many things that go on in the NFL and there's so many injuries and rule changes that it's just so hard to keep. Like, does anybody know what the kickoff rules are? Or like, I don't, I can't even, I don't even know where the, where the teams get the ball. Like it used to be touchback 20 yard line. Like we knew the rules. We don't know what it catches. We don't even know the rules anymore. They change them so much. And the NFL is like every year it starts and we, we make these predictions like this team will win the division. This team will have six wins. This team will have seven wins. We don't know. The NFL is just so unpredictable. It doesn't make it bad. Maybe you would argue that makes it good. The parody is just incredibly good. Um, but to me, the NFL, the NBA has become like a legit like cinema. Like it's like a movie. Like the Golden State Warriors. Like who... Can people say it's boring? It's Golden State, Cleveland. I think it's awesome. Like, who can take down Golden State? Who will be that team? It's such a challenge. It's such a challenge. Like the mountaintop, you have to get to Golden State. And now there's like this Game of Thrones chess match, wherever LeBron go, and you have to recruit. And these players are tweeting, and like, who will get to who? And you can form alliances and join teams. And the the summers become arguably just as good as the season. And and the playoffs are just so entertaining. There's so many good young players. You have. Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, and 
I mean, they're players from all over the world too. You got guys from Turkey and guys from Italy and guys from you know Croatia and I mean cultures and China and you have former players chiming in and Tracy McGrady and Paul Pierce and Allen Iverson are is sitting courtside and you have Nelson Aguilar, Bryce Treggs, and Mike Wallace arguing about LeBron James last night on Twitter. Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz were at the game recruiting LeBron James to come to Philly. Like, it's transformed. The NBA has transformed into the NFL where this LeBron-MJ argument's the greatest argument in the, that, I've, that I've been alive for. Like, it's the most layered, fun argument. It's so fun. Like, LeBron versus MJ is impactful, and every time that there's, a, like, a movement in LeBron's career, we go back to the MJ thing, and people argue it on Twitter, and Torrey Smith for the First, Howard Eskin, like it's it's in NFL locker rooms, and I guess that happens in the NBA with the NFL too. Um, clearly, those two sports are one too. I would argue for me, it's the NBA and then the NFL. I'm sure, you know, I've always made this case in Philadelphia. People say this is a, this is an Eagles town, and I, I'm I'm born in Northeast Philly. I'm from here my whole life. I went to Penn State for four years. But other than that, I lived here my whole life, and I would I would disagree with that. I would say that. Obviously, it's an Eagles town, like it's Eagles first and foremost, but I would say it's a sports town in an NFL country where, of course, the Eagles rule the world, but the NFL rules the country. That's just the way it is. Um, So the Eagles take over. But as soon as the Sixers, Flyers, or Phillies get good, this city is encapsulated by that team. And I know that that's not front-running either. That's just the way it is. Like, I'm not all in on the, the Phillies until they're good. Like, I mean, that's just, that's not front running, but we follow teams when they're good and we get excited. We get behind teams when they're good. The Eagles are just, you know, the NFL, you don't miss a game. There's 16 of them and every city watches every game. And even the Cleveland Browns sell out every game. It's the NFL. Um, but the NBA is just taking the last five years has just taken this new, this, this entertainment level to it, to a whole nother level. And it really is a 12 month a year sport. And they do the, the draft combines now. well, that just passed. They do the summer league, which is incredibly interesting, especially when you're like the Sixers or your young teams that you know you're following young players. They make their debut. Simmons, Fultz, uh, that stuff is really interesting, and that follows the summer, and then the season starts, and it's just, it's really interesting. And I don't, I'm not, I was not bored by Golden State, Cleveland. I know it was a sweep, but the first three games were incredibly entertaining. You have the best player in the world versus the versus arguably the best player of all time versus arguably the best team of all time. I mean, I don't get sick of that. They can play a million times, and that's just super fascinating to me. Um, and, like, I don't know, like, Denver, Carolina in the Super Bowl? I don't know. Like, if it's not the Eagles, I unless there's a storyline or it's, I mean, Brady going for six, seven, eight, nine is is incredibly interesting, obviously. But to me, the NFL, the NBA has overtaken the NFL for in terms of entertainment. I'm in the minority, but... It's clearly one and two. Here's LeBron. I wanted to play this cut. Um, LeBron talked about how Golden State was able to form their team. And, I mean, this this is a two-minute cut of LeBron. I think this is interesting and worth playing. And, and this is LeBron at the podium the other day. In order to win, you got to have talent, but you got to be very cerebral, too. I mean, just, just I mean, there's so many. Listen, we're all NBA players. Everybody know how to put the ball in a hoop, but who can, like, who can, like, think throughout the course of the game and, you know, this is this is so challenging for me to sit up here and say because of people who really don't know the game, don't really know what I'm talking about. They just think that you just go out and like, oh, LeBron, you're bigger and faster and stronger than everybody. You should drive every single time and you should dunk every single play. And you should never get tired. Never. <laughs> like it's a video game and you went on the options and you turned down fatigue all the way to zero and injuries all the way down to zero. Um, 
So you, you, we come back here and we, we get the minds and we build a championship team. And then Golden State, because of, because of Steph's injuries early on in his career and his contract situation, and then them drafting Draymond and drafting Clay and them being under the contracts they were in allowed their franchise to be go out to get KD. And so they win a championship. And then we play them, and we come back from 3-1, and we beat them. But that was the best regular season, probably the best team I had ever played against. They go 73-9, and and then you add one of the best players that the NBA has ever seen. I mean, so, I mean, so now everyone's trying to, trying to figure that out. How do, you, how do you put together a group of talent but also a group of minds as well um, to be able to compete um, with Golden State um, to be able to compete for a championship. So that's what GMs and presidents and certain players, it's not every player. Every player does not want to, sad to say, but every player don't want to compete for a championship and be in a position where every possession is pressure. That was LeBron James. I thought that was very poignant and very interesting. Um, he talked honestly about He's right. He's 100% right on pretty much everything he said. And the Kevin Durant thing is so interesting to me because, I look, I, I didn't like the Kevin Durant decision. I understand it was it was a good decision for his career, I guess. I mean, it's still, it still comes up every day, and we still he still gets made fun of, and he's still insecure about it. No matter, he can win 100 championships, but he'll still get criticized for it. And I think the criticism is fair. I mean, he went to a team that beat him that he should have beat. He, I mean... He, you, you can't, it's just, it's, it's weak. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the word is, but it's, it's, you just can't do that. He did it. Um, but, but credit to Golden State for being able to put themselves in position to get him. And now they're like this enterprise and then there's this conglomerate of an, of an NBA franchise. And now teams have to try to knock them off and it's super hard and super challenging, but that's like the fun of sports, right? So I don't know. I, it's, it's all interesting to me. Caesar, what's your take? Are you, am I, am I nuts with the NBA over the NFL? Uh, You're an NFL guy. I think the product is not even close. Like the NFL is a better product. Really? You you like the entertainment factor, but like I think how many on... close games were there in the NBA playoffs? Like down the stretch, how many really close games were there? The yeah, Sixer like, series was the closest, you know. I guess, but like I, for I, I don't. To me, a, a good NBA game doesn't have to be a close game. Like so, those those finals games were good. There were th- two of them were close. They weren't even watchable down the stretches. Like besides well, two of them game were one, close. game, game three one was, was amazing. Game three was close, but it wasn't like game one. And it's game four and game two where you know it was over. But why even watch? You're not even watching the game at the end. Yeah, but the series, are, the series are like back and forth. The Houston Golden State series was great. I don't know. Some football games. Are yeah, just no, like, that was a great series, yeah. absolutely. But a lot of the games, with the, 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 it's really about the three pointer. That's what changes of the game right, it's, it's exactly. all about the three the variance and stuff right the variance is so high because of every team shoots so many threes yeah like i mean look, golden state will lose but like you know the pelicans beat them by like 20 like, right. one game. and it's like so like the product's not like uh, that it's good obviously it's good you know it's the nba you get the best players in the world right but i i don't know i don't, I don't think it compares to the nfl for me so i like every game like maybe you know some thursday night games some Monday yeah. night games you're not necessarily like, on. I, I but Sundays, like you're you're glued in every game. Like I can't get you know, in. most playoff games are very close. Like yeah. the Super Bowls have been pretty close down the stretches recently. The Super Bowls have been amazing, and the NFL playoffs are unbelievable. But like regular season NFL, 
If I like, because wait, the regular so, season, like you can't even compare. Like the regular season NBA, it doesn't even matter. Well, like gambling and fantasy has like warped my mind. I I can't imagine an NFL world without me gambling or playing fantasy football. So like I have like stake in all these games. But like if I I don't think I would just watch like Chiefs Raiders. But see, I, I do. I don't. I don't play fantasy football. I don't right. gamble. Okay. I I just enjoy football. You just like enjoy that. football. Yeah. I'm I'm more of a basketball lifer. Like that's why the, I, I'm in the minority. I know it's clearly basketball in the in the NBA. I mean, it's clearly oh, NFL without a NBA. doubt. Right. Yeah, and they wanted to. Yeah, right. and it's not really close right. after that. I'm definitely in the minority with the NBA. I understand that, but I I think they've they've cl- closed the gap a little without bit. Without a doubt. I mean, you can look at their ratings. Absolutely. And just in terms of their off season stuff, has never mattered. Like the NBA summer has never been a thing. And the, since the past five years, now it's like a thing, which is good for the NBA. No, I loved your yeah. like Game of Thrones analogy. Like it, it is interesting in it that is way. Interesting, yeah. And um, like they have to knock off like yeah, teams are. It is interesting. Like you know, Golden State is at the top of the mountain. How how are teams going to formulate to defeat them? Like Houston, Houston was very close. They were close. Yeah, yeah. And I I do enjoy all that stuff. Um, NFL's king. NFL's going to be king forever. It's just it's just too it's too good. It's too dominant. And gambling now that that it's legal is just like forget it. I mean, maybe in the future, like no. I mean, if you the the trajectory is the NBA sh- might eventually take over. Maybe you know, years from now, it's it's tough though. The, the NFL is always reinventing itself. There's always right. new rules, and like it's yeah, the health it, thing is always a thing. Off. Yeah, eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. If you want to get on get in on this NBA versus NFL thing, um, maybe I'm a little bit overzealous on the NBA. Coming off this season, Sixers are so fun too. Like it's amazing for me to say that. Like the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and the and we have the Sixers. Like we're we're really lucky here in Philadelphia, man. We had the Colangelo thing. We had like we have Gabe Kapler. Like we just have so much going on. What else just happened? There's another. Um, oh, the White House thing. I mean, like we are at the top. We are always on ESPN now. Like between the Sixers and the Eagles and LeBron and the White House and the President and the Super Bowl and Brian Colangelo. I mean, we we just took over. Like we are the sports capital of the world. And, like, as soon as the Flyers get good, the Flyers are a great, like, sneaky talking point where everyone just assumes they suck and everyone hates the Flyers right now. They had a pretty good season. They have good players. They're getting younger. They're going to get a goalie soon. Hextall's a smart GM. The coach isn't as bad as we think. The Flyers are going to, like, win the Stanley Cup in, 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 like, a year or two and, like, sneak up on everybody. I can feel that. I can feel that coming. The Phillies are going to be good, too. The, the Phillies can easily buy, like, a, a Manny Machado or, like, a Bryce Harper at some point. And, and, I mean, imagine if the Phillies trade for Cole Hamels or Manny Machado or something. I don't know. This city's just, we're in a lucky spot. It took us, like, forever to get here, but we're finally at a point where all four teams are interesting. Um, it's fun. 888-729-9494. It's the Andrew Porter Show. It's 117. It's the Andrew Porter Show for two more segments. It's 123, then it's John Johnson at 2. We're talk- I-, I tweeted on March 1st, um, LeBron needs the Sixers way more than the Sixers need LeBron. <laughs> Got 355 retweets and 1. 1,300 likes. So I just retweeted myself again. Pump it up at 124 in the morning. See what happens. I really, I kind of, I think I believe that. I mean, it was tongue-in-cheek, but, like, I think LeBron needs the Sixers. The Sixers don't need LeBron. Sixers will be fine without LeBron. I don't think LeBron necessarily needs the Sixers. Like, he can go pretty much anywhere and compete for a title, but I think for his legacy, if he wants to try to win multiple championships to end his career, if, like, he wants two more, three more, I think he needs the Sixers. I don't know what other team kind of gives him this kind of talent and this structure in place with a coach and a system that can really 
take him to the top towards the end of his career here. Tony wants to talk NBA versus NFL. What's up, Tony? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, what's up? Uh, so I was just listening to you guys on my way home, and I was uh, listening close to you talking about uh, like the NFL, NBA type of, yeah, like how, how hyped up it gets. And um, I definitely agree with you saying that like the NBA is coming becoming a lot more exciting. Um, I mean, it's just like it's so much more fun to watch, but I also feel like throughout the regular season of like the NBA, I mm-hmm. mean, games get lost basically. Like, I mean, you, you, you know, you won't go watching like every single game. And, but I feel like, you know, with the NFL, it's like, you can't miss a game. So meaningful. Right. Yeah. It's like right. so meaningful. They're prepping so much for each game. So, right. I mean, listen to your opinion about, it. I'm kind of like on the wire now thinking like, wow, you know, the NBA is getting really, yeah. And like, really if you, interesting, if but, you yeah. think about it from like a local perspective, like a Philadelphia market, like, I didn't. I didn't want to miss a Sixers home game and and a Sixers home weekend game. Like I did not. I wanted to be in the building for every game this year. I mean, they they were electric. I mean, I I don't yeah. think you can argue the Sixers home games were like must see TV every night. I didn't miss many Sixers games this year, if any. You know. Yeah. I mean, I've been a. I mean, I'm kind of young. I never got to see like the Michael Jordan era or anything. Right. But I mean, I hate seeing people on the internet like bash LeBron. Like, oh, I never saw MJ get swept in the finals and all that. Like, yeah, dude, Michael Jordan didn't he get swept three times in the first round? Like, I mean, I wasn't yep. watching basketball at that point. But you gotta let know. that. I'm 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 a young guy myself. You just gotta let that roll, man. I mean, people are gonna yeah. be people. That's the way it works. But you just gotta be excited that you're seeing someone of this caliber like play the game of basketball, like. It's or any so sport, or do any, or like yeah. yeah, or do anything. Thanks for the call, Tony. Yeah, I mean, you see a guy like LeBron at that level. If I see anybody at that, you know, painting, teaching, driving a bus, I mean, someone's doing something at any level that good. It's I, I, I marvel at that. That's just the way I'm wired, and I think Tony was saying the same thing. Some people don't. Some people are MJ guys for, through and through. I mean, Charles Barkley's biased. He played with Michael Jordan, so he's a guy that's biased, and he says. You know, he he won't ever say LeBron is as good as MJ. You can argue it, but it's not quantifiable. Like, if you wanted to go to the stats and the, and the sheer numbers, that's LeBron. I mean, he's he's put together a better career than Michael Jordan. He already has. That's just facts. I mean, you can look at games played, minutes played. You can look at points and rebounds and, and assists and steals and blocks. And you can just look at the numbers. But, I mean, people will say championships. But LeBron didn't have Scottie Pippen his whole career. I mean, Jordan got to play with Pippen through his prime, through his entire career. And this argument could go on and on, but it's, it's I agree. It, it stinks to see people try to bring LeBron down to make their point about MJ. Mitch in Phoenix, who wants to talk Sixers. What's up, Mitch? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks for calling in from Phoenix. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I was just there in Scottsdale last week. Nice and, nice and toasty, right? Yep, it was beautiful. Though. At night, it was beautiful. Yeah, it's because of the dryness. Yep. Um, who would you like to see the Sixers take at number 10? I talked about this a little bit earlier. I think it's, for me, it's Michael Michael Bridges, one, and Miles Bridges, a close second. So one, one of the Bridges. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Miles. He's a Michigan State guy, similar. Um, he can shoot. He's he's a little more athletic than Michael, but he's got, like, a doughy body. So, I, I don't know. I don't, he, he can progress. But they both come from good programs, Izzo and Jay Wright. I think they're wing guys. They're smart guys. And they can contribute right away. Miles is 20. 
and Mike Kell's already 22. So they're they're a little bit older rookies. They can they can play right away. I think. You think Brunson will get uh, drafted? Yeah, for sure. He'll definitely be drafted. He could be a late first round and early as a as a late first round pick. Um, I think he'll have a nice career. I think he's you know he's a smart player. I don't, I don't see why he can't succeed in the NBA. You know he can do a lot of good things. He's six three. People don't realize he's pretty big for a point guard. Um, I think he can have success for sure. You know that um, audio that you played uh, with with LeBron, mm-hmm. and he talked about how players need to be cerebral other than just worrying about making a dunk or a shot. Mm-hmm. And I think Joel Embiid this year, I would like to see him become the dominating fact that he could if he wants to. And he needs to get rid of bringing his massage table out before the game and chewing down on a hamburger. Your cerebral players don't do those kind of things. You won't see any of the superstars do those things. And I think, I think it's up to Coach Brett to let him know that, you know, you don't need to do the massage table or be chewing on a hamburger for the camera. It's just, it's just not the right thing to do. No, it's, that's a good point. Thanks for the call, Mitch. Um, Embiid does have like immaturity in in, and like, I don't know, that could be a problem where like Brett Brown can't really rein him in and he kind of just lets him go. And I, I do think Embiid's immaturity is a is a problem but like the reality is he didn't start playing basketball till he was 14 or 15 so he's never going to be as smart of a basketball player as Al Horford and you can like that's evident on the court he just doesn't have that like you know you, you watch Ben Simmons play and he has an uncanny basketball IQ he has an awareness that's evident you watch his game he knows where he should be he knows where other players should be he just knows how to play basketball it's basically born into him he was given a ball at three years old his dad was a pro and he was he's he lived the game, you know. He lived and breathed it. Joel Embiid didn't, and he's just he's kind of blossomed into the superstar. He's only been playing the game for eight eight years ish, so you see those deficiencies come out. He's learning the game, but he still doesn't. He'll still go for a pump fake with two seconds on the shot clock, and Al Horford will drive by for a layup, and he still does frustrating things. He turns the ball over late in the game. Um, sometimes he doesn't run back on defense or he's out of position a little bit. That stuff's going to happen. He's so talented, though, that you got to take that. I think that's going to happen throughout his career. He's never going to be a player that's, you know, Golden State, and LeBron talked about this, but Clay, Draymond, Steph, and Durant are all 100 IQ players. Just super, super smart basketball players. Like all, They're also great and talented, but they are so smart at the game. Like, Carson Wentz is a guy that just, like, he just understands football. You know, like, there are people that just just do that. Chase Utley, high IQ players, and sometimes they go hand-in-hand with good players, but sometimes they don't have to be. Like, Eric Snow was a high IQ player. He stunk, but he understood the game. He knew where to be. He played the position right. He knew how to get Iverson the ball. So, like, they don't always go hand-in-hand, but when they do, when you get a guy like LeBron James, who's super athletic and super smart and understands the game like that, I mean, you get you get a phenom. So I don't think Embiid will. I think that will always limit Joel Embiid. To be honest, I think that will always prevent him from being this, you know, type of transcendent player to some extent. I think he still can be, and he's still super talented to be great. But he's always going to be behind the eight ball in terms of IQ because he didn't start playing the game at two years old like a lot of these guys did. Ken in Southwest Philly, you're on WIP. What's up, Ken? Hey, good evening, guys. Hey. 
Hey, uh, I actually just wanted to touch a little bit on what you were just talking about, uh, which kind of reminded me. I, I mean, not being a Bill Belichick fan by any means, but he's built a career out of taking cerebral ball players with less physical attributes, but teaching them the X's and O's of the game, like where their lanes are, staying, taking angles, and guys that don't run four four forties, but you know, like Rabel and Bruschi and, and guys like that, like very very smart players. Yeah, and uh, and he built a career out of it. I just wanted to, you know, just reiterate on some of the things you were just talking about. But the reason I called is I got a little girl, a nine-year-old girl. She's playing hoops, and uh, so I'm trying to get her into watching the game a little bit to explain to her some of the rules. And mm-hmm. and it was a really good year to, to watch the Sixers and the festivities that were going on. And, you know, she, she's excited about the Sixers because everybody around us, you know, is, is watching the game and who can holler. So then they – the guys come to ring the bell, and I'm, I'm just like, oh, what's that about that? I said, well, it's people that have done good things for the city or has it, some kind of connection with the city. And then they brought that rapper, uh, and I know he's like, got friends in the, with the program. And he's, it, How do I explain to my kid that a criminal's coming out to ring the bell? How, how, do, we, how, do, you, how do we justify that? How do you well, he's not, he's not that? A, he's not a criminal. I mean, he, he, he is to some extent, but it was a – it was. It was. With drugs it, was in, guns. it was injustice. Okay. He didn't pay his. He didn't pay probation. It was a probation thing that was ridiculous, and it was injustice. And he. And, he and, let and him I go. agree. I agree with that. But yeah. he, three times he was caught with drugs, and he had guns in the car. He, he's not. He, he didn't do anything for the city. Yeah, but he I mean, like, Mike, did you cheer for do? Mike Vick or did, did Sean Jackson's got in trouble? Or Sean McCoy did it something with a party bus. I mean, you could do that with any athlete. Oh no, no. I, I, you Three, three times, three yeah. different times he got he got checked. No, I, I, I mean I agree. I mean, he's not a perfect guy. I didn't know how to explain it to my kid. I had a line and say that he uh, that he made up a song about the Sixers that rapping. He like, you know, I, I'm not going to glorify that. Nor do I. I want young people that watch the Sixers to emulate it. It's ridiculous. Well, and, I mean, he is, he made some mistakes early in his life, like anyone else, and we he, all he's, have, sure. Yeah, so I, I don't mean, know. You are, I'm not, but I'm not ringing the bell. No, but you're not. A, you're not a famous rapper who's you know friends with the players yeah. and the owners. Uh, maybe I'm hating. Yeah, but, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I hear you though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and also, uh, I, and I I don't want to get a whole political thing here or nothing like that. But the oh, fact that late. the Eagles, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that the Eagles committed to going, except for the exception of a few, and then didn't go, and then and then everybody just turned and just reamed Donald Trump for 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 his part in, in trying to save face. I mean, you, know, you don't have to like Trump. I, I don't agree with everything he's done, but the man's done nothing but pretty good things for this country also. I'm a union man, so I got to look at some of the things that he's done. And uh, and, and to have that happen like that, and it, it just seems like the trash talk, and so many people call that no freaking idea. It's real easy to investigate and look up some of the things he's done and say, okay, listen, the guy was handed a bowl of, of crap, and he's trying to make the best out of it. But if you're a Super Bowl champion team, you go to the White House. Is it, is it that much of a stance that you only got had five guys going because everybody else is going to stand by? I just don't agree with it. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. I just didn't think it was a right, classy thing to do with a class organization like the Eagles. I understand your point, Ken. Thanks for the call. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I can't – real quick, before I go to the break, I guess I'll, I'll weigh in. But I, I, I can't tell people how to feel, and I don't, we don't know how everybody grew up and – Everyone comes from different backgrounds, and there's reasons why people believe in certain things, and they all, everybody comes from a different place, and that's all I can preach. Like, I can't tell Ken how to feel. I understand the way he feels. People do call up about that, and naturally, you know, sports 
tends to it's like a joke with Trump and everyone wants to pile on Trump. I get that. Um, maybe, you know, if only four people were going to the white house, why, I don't blame him. Like, why would he even, you know, whatever, like that's kind of ridiculous, but I'm the, everyone has their own opinions and I, I don't blame Malcolm Jenkins for not wanting to go. And I understand why people say it's disrespectful to not go and you should go. I understand both sides of the coin. Everyone comes from a different place. So you, you really can't tell someone how they should feel or what they should do. Um, and feel so passionately about that because Malcolm Jenkins, to me, I mean, I've been in that locker room last season the whole time. Uh, I've been around that whole team, honestly. And um, they've been nothing but gracious. But but Malcolm Jenkins is just above and beyond, like a different, he's a different kind of person. He's, He's a guy that people don't talk about. Malcolm Jenkins enough I don't think I mean we do give him credit he is the leader of the team but but he's a reason why you win championships like he's a championship caliber person I don't know what he does or how he does it but people gravitate towards Malcolm Jenkins he knows how to play the game and he's a really good athlete but that's it's much more than that for Malcolm Jenkins he stands for things like he it it matters to him and I don't I don't know that that's right or wrong but it's it's inspiring the way he conducts himself it really is and and for philadelphia to have an athlete like malcolm jenkins i think we you know whether you whichever side of the political wing you're on i think that's it's still admirable to see that guy if if someone was passionate the other way too that that'd be just as admirable i'm, I'm just saying the way malcolm jenkins conducts himself is, is impressive he's an impressive young man and he stands for a lot of good um so i, I appreciate players like that 888-729-9494 it's the andrew porter show it's 138 888-729-9494, Andrew Porter Show, final segment. John Johnson's going to come in and cross in a little bit. He's coming up at 2 a.m. I'll say this before, like, Summer LeBron, let me get out. Let me, final segment, let me clear up my thoughts by saying this. Summer of LeBron, Summer of LeBron, let's get LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. We are so focused on the here and the now when it comes to sports, when it comes to anything. Why do I say sports? When it comes to anything, we are focused on the present. We are focused on the past, which reflects on how we react to the present. That's the way it works. But we are, we are, it is hard to find foresight and hard for people to look into the future and project. And why must we focus on the current, the short term? Maybe LeBron is the best, you know, the best answer for them next year and the year after. But if you're if you're the the GM, I guess they don't have one. But if you're if you're running the Sixers, are you trying to be the best you can be for 2019 and 2020? Are you trying to grow this thing for five, ten, fifteen, twenty years? Are you trying to do what San Antonio did? Are you trying to be a flash in the pan? And look, any team can get LeBron and become the best team in the East. Miami can do that. Boston can do that. Sixers could do that. L.A. can get LeBron and become a, a, a contender. Any team adds LeBron, they instantly become a contender. The Sixers did so much work where they don't need LeBron to be a contender, and that's kind of, like, special. That That's a cool feeling. Le, LeBron wants to come to the Sixers, or should want to come to the Sixers because of what the Sixers have built. But the Sixers don't need LeBron. It shouldn't. The Sixers shouldn't be begging LeBron James LeBron James should, you know, the Sixers should say, hey, if you want to come play with us, great. If you don't, okay, we'll be fine. 
we're confident in our abilities with or without you. And that's how I feel. You know, Joel Embiid's going to get better. Ben Simmons will get better. Markel Fultz will get better. Brett Brown will get better. Dario Sarge will get better. Robert Covington will get better. They'll make some moves. They'll draft a player at 10. This team is growing. They're growing right before our eyes. They doubled their win total. So, yeah, LeBron James would be nice. It would be, it would be amazing. The city would be on fire. But I don't know if it would, it would be, you know, the best long-term move. I'm not sure about that. But I don't, I don't, we don't need to kowtow to LeBron James. I, I just don't. I, let, let the Lakers do that. Let the Rockets do that. Let other teams do that because the Sixers are fine. They'll be fine without LeBron James. They're still going to win a lot of games next year. They're going to win 50-plus games with or without LeBron James. They're going to contend for the one seed in the East. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to win a playoff series or two. They're going to be right there. So I, I, I just don't think that LeBron James is an end-all, be-all type of situation. I mean, we're not in a dire need for him. That's the way I see it. 888-729-9494. I I opened the show with the Sixers versus Celtics, and people say say the Celtics are in a better spot than the Sixers, and that's the way we we look at things. I, I just don't agree with all that stuff. And at one point I was like, I don't want LeBron James to come here. Just and and it's not because I don't think it'll help the team in the short term and there's all that stuff. But I, I don't I'm just conflicted. I, I think I, I want to see this team do it on their own. I want to see them do it organically. I know that's naive or whatever, but as a fan, I'm just curious to see how far they can take it. Bolts and Simmons and Embiid. I man, those those guys are good enough. I don't know. Not yet, but they will be. I just think it's to cut them off, to cut their ceilings off now is crazy. You know, they're they're not the players that they will be in five, six, seven years. Takes takes some time. We don't always have patience, and we see the window now. And this is the summer of LeBron, so we got to go get him. I get that. I'm not. I'm cognizant of that. I understand it, but. I think it's very realistic. It's very it's very possible that they don't get LeBron. And then here we are, and we have to make do with what we have. John Johnson coming up. Jordan What's up, Porter? Coming up at 2. What's up, John? Well, you know, same old stuff. Sixers Wild insider. two weeks. Yeah, a lot of Sixers stuff to talk about, Wild which is fun. two weeks. Which is fun. It's going to be a great It's going to be a great month. I mean, from now through, you know, July 9th, I guess, is when LeBron picked last time. Yeah. Um, and then into whatever, summer league and draft stuff. I mean, it's going to be fun. It can, especially considering how the Phillies are playing right now, if that trend continues, thank God for the 76ers because we're, you know, you're entering that period where it, there's the, the wait for training camp. And, you know, with the Eagles this year, there's only so many stories outside of will Carson Wentz be ready. And then it's the wait till September. And the way the Phillies are trending right now, it's not looking promising. Thank God for the 76ers. Seriously. Seriously. And the Phillies have a tough schedule, too. It just gets worse and worse. So it's the like, month of June is yeah. just dreadful. So, yeah. I mean, by the end of the month, you'll know where the Phillies stand in terms of uh, postseason aspirations or where they stand buyers or seller-wise. Right. But the Sixers, man, it's... <laughs> it's. What's your read on this LeBron thing, like in terms of where he will end up? Do you have a read on it? I, 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 it's, it's funny. Caesar and I were just talking about this. Social media, uh, how it changes everything. In terms of people just dwelling on a, a certain topic and then 
when you dwell on a topic, your mind kind of runs wild, and suddenly yeah. something you thought was impossible because you keep dwelling on it suddenly is, well, you know, maybe there's a chance of that. Overanalyzing. Right, you're, yeah. you're overanalyzing everything, especially yeah. because of the time of the year that it is. Yeah. I mean, I understand the whole Houston aspect for quite some time now. There's one huge problem with that. If LeBron goes to Houston and you have those three guys – Everybody else on the roster is going to be a G leaguer because they can't financially support anybody else. A hundred percent, and not to mention, like logistically speaking, who? How do they distribute the bat? I mean, there's three right. guys that need the ball. Right. I mean, there's that. So I guess I, they'll figure it out on the court. But you're right. Financially speaking, it's tough. The, no, everyone, they, they, everyone it would be just the three says, of them and nothing. Everyone says, "Oh, it's Daryl Morey. He'll figure it out." Like right. there's a salary cap. <laughs> they, they can't. They're not going to be able to make that work. And. I, I know the Lakers have re-entered that conversation. I, I know he's got a home out there, but I, the the way I view LeBron, he's going to get paid no matter where he gets. It may vary by you know a couple million dollars, but he'll make up for that in other ways. I, at this point, of course, he'd like to win a championship again, but it, it's as much about his legacy as anything, right? And I think there's it was no mistake by his camp putting out that he would like. Uh, a lesser role in terms of ball handling moving forward. There was a reason he put that his camp put that out there, and it kind of you know a couple ears went up, different teams around the league, and of course the Seventy Sixers are always going to be mentioned for multiple reasons with LeBron. I I still think there's a a, a, a much better chance that he comes here than you know most of the other uh, franchises mentioned. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you put yourself in LeBron's shoes, like you said, legacy wise. I mean, the Sixers, you're helping young players. You probably have your best shot to win multiple championships to finish your career. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, let's say he finishes his career here, and, and, and he could. And I, I've been talking about the other side of it, but I, I can easily make this case where he can play. Let's say he wants to play a 40, which, which is what he said. You know, that's six more seasons. I mean, this team, and in, in, imagine this team in three seasons and when these guys keep growing and you sure. have LeBron. And, 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 and if he has a lesser role where he doesn't have to do everything like he did in Cleveland. Right. Play you know, where ball. he can, right, yeah. right. I mean, that'll, that'll allow his body to last, I don't want to say last longer, but it'll extend his career further where he'll be as effective a player without having to have, handle all those uh, handling the ball all the time, you know, off the out of the backcourt for sure. The yeah, uh, it's what I'm curious to see what will happen is, of course, Brett Brown uh, or one of the assistant GMs is going to put a call into uh, Rich Paul and find out and talk to Ben Simmons and see, you know, try to feel out the land. Right. I'm wonder what I'm curious to see is maybe they talk to LeBron and his agent before hiring a general manager to see what advice he could offer that would make Philly even more attractive. Right. That that's, would that's I mean, interesting. That is interesting. And I think um what's your what's your whole take on the Brett Brown GM? I know it means John is around the team for those of you who don't know John's around the team nonstop basically the whole season you were one of the I mean what are the, what do they have eight guys that follow the team that closely like Yeah. You? Yeah, so, a, I mean, not many. I I and I say this all the time. I love Brett Brown. I've learned so much from him about the game of basketball. I think he's a really good coach. He has to prove that he's great, but he's a really good coach. Having said all that, I mean, a coach is not a general manager. So although I'm sure he's very good at identifying certain talents as he's now thrusted into the front, this front office role in addition to being coach, it is worrisome when it comes to the draft. 
for multiple reasons. Because I know if I'm another general manager in the NBA and I would like to trade to a spot where the Sixers are, I'm sure as hell going to try to take advantage of Brett Brown because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's never done this before. Now there's assistant GMs on the team who I'm sure will help. But, I I mean, these people were under Brian Colangelo who wanted credit for everything. Yeah. So I It never works well when the coach gets complete control. Not that they want that. Like, it's a weird I circumstance. Th- I, I know Brett doesn't want Brett it. Brett said he doesn't want it, yeah. But, I mean, you know. I, I, like, does he get criticized if they draft, like, let's say they draft Miles Bridges and he stays? He better not. You know? He does, better not. be. Brett can't get criticized. It's, just, it's the same old story with Brett Brown. He's always facing the firing squad. He always gets the short end of the stick. <laughs> you know, just uh, thank goodness he got that extension. I, I feel bad for the guy. I what? mean, this. Real, real quick, what do you know about the internal candidates? I mean, I've talked a lot about Mike Zarin today because mm-hmm. he's the guy that intrigues me the most, and obviously David Griffin's another name. But there are reports that they're looking internally at guys like Ned Cohen and Mark yeah. Eversley. Yeah, do you the, know anything about those yeah, two guys? Eversley, is a, he's a really good guy. He's very smart. He's very uh, uh, he's very basketball savvy. I, Ned Cohen's I, a stretch. I, the, the problem is this. When you're entering... Uh, an off season as huge as this is, do you want to take that risk at, at hiring guys that haven't done it before? Right. Granted, they're assistant GMs. They're in the organization. You know them. I, I just I, I fear out of that, especially when you're trying to attract one more marquee free agent, whether it be this off season or the next off season. I think you want someone who's more notable in that role to say, "Listen, this franchise is now stable." They didn't bring somebody up who was an assistant of Brian's, and look what happened there. This ownership has gone through, this will be four general managers in a six-year span. I mean, everything screams dysfunction, and Brett Brown is the only stabilizing face that's been here all along. Scott O'Neill. Scott (laughs) O'Neill, yeah, which he certainly brings up mixed feelings around the league. Yeah. So it's... I, I I love the Zarin thought of... of, And everybody's going to mention Griffin because of the relationship with LeBron. Um, but in terms of inter- when it comes to internally, I know Elton Brand's been mentioned, yeah. and I don't think Elton's He's probably a little bit, a few years away. Yeah, he One needs day. to be an assistant GM right. before he jumps to you know assistant GM at the professional level. Right. I'm not referring to G League, so I, there's a lot that's going to happen. But I can tell you this, and it drives me nuts to this day. Ownership did not want to fire Brian Colangelo. They knew about this Ringer story a week before we came out. And they wanted to test the waters and see the ripples. If it was, if it turned out to be a small story that people kind of overlooked and said, "Oh, whatever, that doesn't surprise me at all," it would be status quo. He never would have been fired. But because the outcry was so massive, and Brian didn't have a single defender, you know, they had to take action on it. Right. Because the last thing that Joshua Harrison, boy, if he boy, does, he instill any confidence whatsoever when you listen to him speak. It's weird because like he doesn't. But I, I think, like, he has to be a smart guy. Like, he's got to be a genius for all the money he's made. But, man, when I, it comes to basketball, he's, like, kind of. Or maybe he just has a lot of money and has the right people advising him to invest money in the proper things. Yeah, maybe. Because clearly, to have him heading your uh, another search doesn't shouldn't give you a lot of confidence. That's That's one of the things that worries me going forward. That's fair. That's fair. All right, what Good do you show. got tonight? Are you uh, doing Sixers or oh, everything? Uh, a lot of, mostly Sixers? Mostly Sixers. Okay. A little bit of Phillies. and You know, it's the overnights. You can you can dabble you in all yeah. kinds of things. All right, yeah. Political stuff? No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Good show, Porter. All right, 888-729-9494 if you want to get in with John. He's coming up at 2. It's the Andrew Porter. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.